Never imagine all life as you know it stopping instantaneously and every molecule in your body exploding at the speed of light. Total photonic reversal. Photonic reversal. With your hosts, Conan Neutron and Brenna Betts. Broadcasting from the top floor of the Radio Note World headquarters in Oakland, California. A gigantic middle finger to everything that is rock about music, rock and roll, and corporate power. I'm, I'm from the South. I'm a Southern Belle. The confidence of a hero or a fool. I wasn't exactly certain which. If you don't laugh, you're going to go on a killing spree with sharp and nails. I'm known for many things, and strong invectives are one of them. Conan, you have a lot going on right now. It means something. Well, we all deserve to be recognized. See anything wrong with, you know, being into the stuff you're into. 150 people with a massive crowd, you know. We'll sing you a song. You may be led astray. Meatloaf has a Christmas album. For one, what an excellent professional segue that was. Well, I'm very curious about Math Rock. You know, I kind of know the sound man for Rob Zombie. I'm presenting you the illusion of choice. We will impress you later. Yeah, it's a very good question. And I like it because it's at the beginning, middle, and the end. Could not be more professional. Get you pumped up. We have answers. I just want to bring something up that I noticed via postings on the internet. You know, that's my take on it. What's yours? Protonic reversal! That's like a science thing, right? Indeed it is! Indeed it is! Just like a science thing. Just like it. We are here. Welcome, welcome, welcome to the one, the only. You're listening to Protonic Reversal. Thought I'd go a little, uh, you know, down tempo for once. Who was that? It's my NPR voice. You're listening That's you? to Protonic Reversal. Yeah. Oh. <laughs> you like that? It's chill. I can chill. Can I you? I can totally chill, yeah. Wait, You're really? listening to Protonic Reversal. Huh. Yeah. Don't I sound chill? I sound it's like, so uh, nice I like you're could... about to shoot up a post office. <laughs> <laughs> Protonic reversal. Protonic reversal. Uh, Parks and Recreation. Have you seen that? Where they where they'll show go on uh, Port will go on um, um, <coughs> the public or NPR, and they had that dude. They just had that he always just talks voice. in a very yeah. measured tone. <laughs> <laughs> right. The thing about the North American spotted right. owl. <laughs> 
that most people don't realize it is very thrilling is its like, excellent plumage. Yeah, exactly. It's in a state of serenity now. What's the name of the guy that paints the happy little trees? That would be Bob Ross. Ah, uh, not, Bob Bob, not Bob Rock. <laughs> Definitely. <FYI. laughs> Different things. Okay, Bob Ross. That remi- that voice reminds me of Bob Ross and his happy trees. Well, it, I mean, if you listen to NPR, there's definitely there's an NPR tone of voice, Absolutely. to be sure. There's definitely like a, um, a NPR tone of voice. There's an NPR inflection. There's all kinds of NPR isms if you will to the point that if you actually listen to npr and somebody does like the now we'll listen to the world's loneliest saxophone (laughs) (laughs) you're like oh yeah npr it's like like xanax vending machine there (laughs) (laughs) i feel like garrison keeler is gonna come on and like i'm gonna turn the radio off fucking immediately and it's it's like a whole it's a whole scenario it's a whole it's a whole thing uh, of course hey welcome this is not npr you are listening to radio nope and this is the one and only and today we are joined by the one and only Jason Myers. Jason, what's up? It's good to be back. It's great to have you. Uh, it's the most applause I've gotten in a few years. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> Jason Myers is, of course, a noted author, uh, rock on tour, and general, I would say, San Francisco character. And I mean that as a compliment, to be clear. I'm not, I don't mean that as like a, he's like a San Francisco character. We no, mean to right. Get it. I mean, I think that, 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 that's a good nickname. Um, <clears throat> Because I've known you for so long, so I'm not a San not, Francisco. I'm not in the post now, San Francisco. Character. Right. I mean, that's like as That's a, classic, a different establishment yeah. right. altogether. A classic San Francisco you, style character. Do you have I'm not a, a libertarian app owner? Do you have a drink named after you at any local bars in San Francisco? I don't. You should, because that would offic- That would like initiate your right. San Francisco characterism. Maybe, maybe somebody out there listening. You know, any any bartender. In training, come to San Francisco, make a drink for me. I, I when I go in, it's just it's so basic. I just usually it's, it's just a shot of uh, like bullet, hashtag yeah, basic? shot of bull rye and, and a beer. I don't. I, is that is that <laughs> hashtag basic? I, I was gonna go with basic bitches personally. <laughs> I mean, like I feel like that's probably more on the lines of a daiquiri hashtag. Basic. Yeah, I mean, shot in a beer is pretty like right. It's standard it's, punk rock basic. It gets you by. I, it does the job, I guess. I <laughs> it gets you by, and it's cheap. It is. Usually. It's cheap. Yeah. I mean, depending on what bar you're going to now. But What's your favorite local bar? Oh, Zam Zam. Really? Yeah. On Hate Street? In the Upper Hate, yes. Mm-hmm. Um, it's changed over. You know, like, I feel like my favorite bars that were, you know, when I was coming up in SF... Um, just cease to be my favorite bars now because they're becoming really harder to be there. Um, (laughs) Harder to stand the crowd. Is that what you're implying? Absolutely. And it's not, I mean, that's just, it's, that's where we're at right now and it's fine. So I found sort of comfort in the non-changing aesthetic of uh, Zam Zam. So yeah. Yeah. Cool. There's something to be said for, for that, you know, things having like a, a callback to earlier and, and different times. I think that that's definitely, yeah, I like it when bars rare, change. Rare these days. Right. It's comforting. And you know, I mean, I, it's, it's part of it. It's like, yeah, like the crowd is becoming, you know, maybe not as fun to be around or it's, you're certainly not really, it's not your crowd. And at the same time, I mean, maybe part of it's just being older. I don't need to be at like 
delirium <laughs> four nights a week or the kilowatt or the 500 club just getting blackout wasted that's, that's <laughs> called the bermuda triangle yes. yeah <laughs> yeah you don't you're not necessarily gonna be in a situation where you're what shutting down the bar, bar every night you know barmuda triangle i don't know yeah i didn't realize there was a standard a beer mirror works too, yeah. I just, I just heard that <laughs> from someone. Uh, so, of course, uh, before we go too far, I, I would like to mention that not only is Jason Myers uh, the author of books such as Exit Here and The Mission, there's also author of the forthcom- forthcoming book, A Sad History of Beautiful Nostalgia. Yes, and that is coming out uh, February 16th. And this one, uh, there's something a little different with this one than with... Um, with some of the other ones, right? I mean, this, there's a there's a there's a slight deviation, if you will, from previous Jason Myers works. Correct? Uh, yeah, I fictionalized myself in the book, and it is definitely. All the other books were geared towards, uh, um, obviously, a, a very younger crowd, um, seventeen to twenty-one. Sort of that was like that main target, and this is definitely of. Uh, the characters for the most part are a, older. a, a young kind of um, right yeah and then but uh yeah and then obviously like they're i i'm fix, literally fictionally fictionalizing my fictionalizing myself in the book um and which which seems really weird and like i don't know how i feel about it just yet because there's a part of me is like that's a really kind of narcissistic sort of mood but that wasn't really the reason why i had done it but i could see how it could come off so i hope that it doesn't come off that way but the reason why i had done it was i was <clears throat> i was kind of being i was my writing was stuck i should say right because on the good years. side of it you could be charlie kaufman or something right you could write something brilliant like adaptation which is probably the one of the best right there's, movies there's, i've ever yeah. seen about someone trying and failing to write a book Right, and I, you know, for me, it was it was easier to just go ahead and use, uh, you know, Jason as the main character than it was to you know do a Bukowski and make up a, a, a uh, you know, uh, an alter sort of personality, um, who's really not even an alter personality, just an alter name. Um, I just of felt, course, yeah, I did, yeah. I just felt like if I was going to tackle this, you know, sort of sort of existential kind of crisis I was having about like me wanting to explore these four or five years of my life and I was trying to do it through fictionalized characters and it was just not, I wasn't able to write anymore. It was just jamming everything up. And so I decided to, to come up with this Skullburn series. It's, there was a novella that was released two years ago, Skullburn 77. And this is, yeah. Book. And that was something you did on your site. Yep. Um, I just made it through and not, not exit here, sex media, but uh, <laughs> it always, I always want it to be exit here. Sex media, but it, it's Exit Here Media. Jason, Jason Myers Exit Here Media, correct? Is that the yes? And you can also check it out with uh, Exit Here Media SF. So I have both names working going to that site, and I want to transfer it. You know, slowly just make it Exit Here Media SF. Um, Do you have a shop like a uh, link in your website called the Gift Shop? So it'd be Exit Through the Gift Shop. I don't. Mm. But that is should. <laughs> consider. <laughs> you should consider that. Yeah, I mean, if I if I knew who Banksy was, I mean, I could. It's not just a Banksy thing; it's a, like a thing. It is a thing, and actually. Yeah. Which is he took it off of culture, right? <laughs> like he didn't create that concept. That's it's true. I get it. and have it as someone who has exited a few gift shops. You, you, I mean, you have no choice in some situations. Uh, exactly. Yeah, <laughs> a lot, lot of situations. I would I say. I don't know though. Do we? I, I, I think one could argue that. I mean, 
do you ever really leave the gift shop? Isn't this sort of like you go into the street? I mean, maybe the apartment or your house is the only way to sort of step away from it because you go into the street and you're literally bombarded with consumer advertising. Yeah, it's it's all one sort of pop culture gift shop. Yeah. It's in your face constantly. So you spend more time in that sort of metaphorical gift shop than you probably do you know, anywhere else. I'm, I'm envisioning Billy Corgan singing the world is a gift shop. <laughs> <laughs> Which frankly would make that a much more entertaining song for me. Right. <laughs> so I'm not a big fan. We might as well. I mean, he might as well have. Uh, he certainly he treated well it like it. It's right. Just, yeah, exactly. <laughs> I mean, we're just, it's like we can't even, it's, it's sort of weird. I think it's like a phenomenon. I think though, where it's, uh, you know, when it just when bands and, and I appreciate it as a fan to like go and like, oh, cool, this band's gonna kind of even get back together, gonna do one, two, or play the seminal records. But at the same time, it's sort of just weird because it's like it's just sort of drawback all the time going to music wasn't as isn't as good now as it was then, and it's just really this sort of vicious sort of thing in culture and society that we do. That like, I mean, we're we're all we're, from the time we were like, you know kids all you hear is that you know no no band's gonna be ever as good as the beatles or the stones no painter's ever gonna be as good as picasso so like what is sure and right and so like we're always constantly like right and i I just don't think it's like is it just a sort of discontent with 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 the moment or is it just like i feel that's just aging i feel like that's something that just happens with um with people as they age and they feel that, you know, the, the stuff that they connected with when they right. were younger means more than the stuff that happens now. Why? Because it was them. Well, you know, that right. doesn't that make doesn't, it, doesn't, doesn't make, make it true, it, dude. Right, but, right. Exactly. Then it doesn't make the music made in 1991 when all those great albums slint, you know, and, you know, never mind, better than, you know, 2011. I, you know. It's just different. And I think people are largely afraid of change. Because it makes them uncomfortable. I don't, you know, no one really likes being taken out of their comfort zone. And so you think of the past and you think of how happy you were because maybe you were young and naive or like you had more energy or you looked different because you were younger. But like, what are you trying to say? (laughs) I'm lamenting on my own thoughts. (laughs) Well, I I mean, I I think I think is is it more that because I, I, I feel like. More and more, you start romancing, and that's sort of the, the the entirety, or one of the main points of the book is this sort of. Um, it says it in the you know in the title, nostalgia, and it and it is so you're kind of romancing the past, even though you probably weren't feeling that romantic about the present when it was happening back then. So is it more that we're doing that because we're or we were just afraid to sort of acknowledge that we are older and maybe we haven't lived up to what we thought we were like hasn't turned out but instead of embracing like the reality of that being like cool like how, how do i find the happiness comfort in that we're like oh man it was way better 10 years ago and i don't know yeah. I, i'm not saying it's a I don't, I don't know if there's an answer to that per se but it's something to think i think about that's a big part of it i think i mean we we've been doing that i feel like for a, a while at least a decade or so where you know you can see it in political movements the tea party per se where it's like this sort of like you know 
they want to just sort of America's changed so much in their heads for them that they were trying to sort of take it back to this sort of 50s that never existed never existed I mean like it wasn't well, that's a happy, what great time that's what I was getting at with the whole like I think people lament on the past because they're afraid of change and then they think about the good things of the past for whatever reason and forget about all the other shit that you were worrying about like and how good were the good things if they didn't keep on being good I <laughs> Well, okay, hold on. So I think what's important to remember is what's changed now is people are more and more rewarded for nostalgia because not only do you have instant availability, you have this culture of nostalgia and all this money behind it. So people profit off of this nostalgia. Absolutely. I mean, the digital age has sort of accelerated the anxiety about the present and the future, and it's kind of, I think, made us more sort of disharmonized with ourselves and our own happiness. And it is. I mean, I really, if you were born after 1984, I, the digital media, this digital media age now doesn't even give you time to forget. You know, it doesn't even give you time yeah. to really miss it. So the only way I, you can miss it is to romanticize about it and myth it almost, you know? I've actually, this has been a really huge theme in my life for the past few weeks because I realized um, when my coworker died recently that I, and a lot of people do this, like constantly live in guilt for things that I wish were different instead of and as like as far as your <clears throat> relationship all th- I mean I, d- I do it all the time and it's something that I definitely hold more than other people but I think everyone has this and uh, you know innate quality where like I think about more or I was thinking about more like how I could have been different for her in this in her life right instead of acknowledging what maybe I actually was to her, which is also really important and good. I, you know, was not accepting what happened as what happened and thinking that maybe if things were different, I could have changed it or. I think that's valid though, because that's actually a person. I think what. Well, no, no, I'm I'm talking on the concept of like accepting change in the sense of, okay, like, well, that person is gone now. And what I have now is a really positive memory of her. Right. Um, But at the same time, like, I think we do that in life as far as not acknowledging, you know, that we have goals and things we want to do. And you start thinking about like what you haven't done and you start planning your future based on what you want to do but you really don't know and what you haven't done in the past like none of that really matters to an extent all that matters is what maybe you've learned from it and if you're holding on to something that you wish was still here then you're just kind of like guilting yourself serenading ghosts i mean literally in a, in a weird sort of sense it's uh i i you know i, I think that i don't know i i think i think sort of I don't know if it's an age thing where all of a sudden our reactions become our 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 actions become almost reactionary instead right. of like you're trying to grasp the world you know and shape the world when you're younger and you're just and then all of a sudden and you know all of a sudden like you know maybe things have gotten worse and not even in your own personal life but just around you or the city like in San Francisco the city changing is it better or you know or for the worse and you know and it's but it's accelerated i think when you have all these sort of you know social media things and then you see like you know everyone's just you know every, every at the end of the day i think everyone's just trying to feel good about themselves for the drug of choice and i think that's sort of dangerous i mean you want to feel good but you don't want to feel you don't want to fool yourself into saying you feel good this is my happiness blah 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 i mean 
you know, that's it's. I think that's how people sort of start romanticizing something that doesn't it can't be real anymore. And and the way you're probably thinking about it wasn't real. Is it real to what it really truly was? Well, yeah. Well, it's it's you're looking back at the past with rose colored glasses again because of you know whatever it's whether it's unmet needs or you know fear of the future or or just you know disdain for whatever's going on currently or you know it, it doesn't matter where it comes from you're looking at it from a perspective that there's an there's an unmet unfulfilled need and you're seeing everything through the color of that and I, and I honestly do think that you know a lot of social media facebook's probably the worst uh you have a drink holder right there by the way jason oh, on your, on yeah, your mic's I <laughs> the, i've already done with the beer uh so the it's thing with one. the thing with that is that constant retrospection is completely rewarded encouraged even absolutely. It's, it's, it's there's absolutely a marketing scheme behind this yeah because people are making money right. on it right i mean it's I, I saw the new Star Wars and I walked out of the theater and I was with my brother-in-law it was just last week and I was like, maybe I'm getting to the age where I can just see metaphors and everything, but this is exactly <laughs> sort of summed up like, you know, it was it was almost, you know, the the first Star Wars, I mean, just with the, even the way it looked, the aesthetic and the retrash, the rehash of hair characters and stuff like that and it was like, I obviously there's a clear advertising marketing, there's a lot of money to be made by um, you know, I mean, kids don't get new toys anymore. They just get what we had in the 90s. I mean, there was a while, I think, where they probably did. I don't know, but I think, again, with the rise of the sort of social media, the just digital age, it's, it's, we're really sort of, it feels more and more, I guess, like we're just tending to a sort of pop culture museum, you know, and we're losing our philosophy, we're losing our art, and we're just going into the same sort of circle. And it's thrown in our face all the time that, you know, like, you know, when you see people just posting just stuff and it's like, oh, I don't have that stuff. And I think it's a, a sort of as a, in a general, you know, consciousness, I think that can just lead to unhappiness if you are going through maybe a, a personally difficult time or like, you know, something has tragic, tra you know, something, there's been a recent tragedy or some sort of thing in your life. Well, here's the thing in your life right now. This is big business just as the day was dawning.
All right, that was Fornum Blows yeah, with the root of our nature. Before that, we had Just As the Day Was Dawning by Big Business. Great tunes, both. Neither of them very new. But, uh, you know, hey, we're, we're talking about nostalgia, so I decided to bust loose yeah, some great nostalgia jams. <laughs> I missed the 400 Blows. <laughs> uh, yeah, you were talking during the break, Jason, about uh, 400 Blows being one of the best live bands you've ever seen, right, when you made that list. I remember you posted that list. Yeah, I posted the list up on Exeter Media, and... It was, it was, uh, it was, I, I just, I needed to write something and, and I was like, you know, what are the best shows that I've ever been to? And I wanted to give context to it. So if you ever really wanted to know what I was all about and into in my early twenties and up to, it was seeing just shredding live bands, doing lots of extracurricular activities and hanging out with very intellectual really pretty chicks too so it was like it was really cool yeah win and win <laughs> yeah uh, oh but, is that a win yes it, it, it is is it what happened to all the pretty intellectual girls how come guys are all, always afraid of the pretty intellectual I girls i'm only afraid you, now you, like, <laughs> you you apparently date only by like you know the the complete rejects area or something you seem to have like the worst <laughs> luck i don't understand you do Either that or millennials are just bullshit. I don't know. <laughs> Which is harkening back to the all young people have to be, you know, bad because you're not young anymore and you envy their youth. Right. But, I, yeah, I I have uh, my picker's broken. But you have to be, I think, I think there's <laughs> naturally, you have to be naturally, <laughs> naturally suspicious, though, in that sense of just, uh, I don't know, like... I, 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 my, I guess sort of my generation, I guess, was the one that spent, you know, we spent half our lives without the internet really even cable tv until we were in high school you know no cell phones <clears throat> and then we had this then you know when i was tw- i think i was 22 when i got my first email in yahoo i still have it wow Keith calls at yahoo.com dang and, wow uh, but uh yeah and so and so like i feel like the, i you know i'm not saying i think that there people do read i mean there's been a big explosion with young people in reading so that and it's really cool i i just it, it is sort of I guess maybe that suspicion of of just like, are you regurgitating something that you just read on a Facebook post, you know, that somebody put like with a quote, or did you really read the text? Because it's, it's not nearly, I mean, obviously there's a dying publishing industry. I mean, there's, yeah. So you were talking about that at the BART station, how you feel like publishing is more a thing you do yourself now. Instead I, of I think, having a publisher. Well, and hold, hold on, hold on, hold on. So it's it's not even just that it's. I mean that that's relevant to your situation now. Like you've taken more like the in, almost the independent band route and yep. willfully made the choice to take on some of the more. I guess we can charitably say less desirable parts of of publishing. Yeah, and not have the middlemen be doing their thing. Is that a fair assessment? You think it's a fair assessment. Um, there was it. You, you like, and I'm sort of, I'm sort of, you know, dev- devolving almost in that, like where I started with a, with a you know, with a huge publisher, right. which would be akin to a major label, and then like, hey, I'm gonna go and I'm gonna start my own thing, and it's sort of like, so I'm, I'm learning what like most artists learn in, in their mid twenties right. about how this industry and everything works, which is, it's fascinating, and again, I, my anxiety and my stress has come more of the fact that my desire was never to be 
the publisher or to be you know in charge of anything i just have always wanted to be the artist so there's a lot of growing up to do that i still need to do i a lot of maturing in that front and, and I i'm, like I'm not very always, aware of it that's always the case with people like you always you can never like feel grown up enough i feel like that's I'm just, just even that's talking not something about. that's real <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> I will, everyone I, <laughs> always needs to grow up a little well, I mean, no, it's, it's real to a very large segment of the country who are like these so self-proclaimed winners, you know, like, you know, like I do good and I'm an adult and like pick myself and like, you know, this is, you know, we can, I can accomplish anything, blah, blah, blah. I'm right here and it. I can hear you, by the way. Oh. <laughs> Sorry, Conan. <laughs> but I, I, I mean, yeah, so my whole reasoning for um, going my own route was... Um, I want I I didn't want to kind of put out a book a year anymore. Um, I mean that was just sort of like I felt like that was kind of stunting my growth as a as a writer. I mean I I was I was, I liked the stuff that I wrote. Um. <laughs> <laughs> Go ahead. <laughs> oh my god. Uh, I you know I, I I was liking the stuff that I wrote, but also at the same time like um I felt like. I was growing as an artist and I was that wasn't reflective in the stuff that I was actually writing per se or the stories I was coming up with and uh this is I just want to like take my shoes off and uh <laughs> go dance around go, yeah. oh, <laughs> who's got the joint um you could go your own way if you if you could see my face, if it wasn't so shadowy, it'd be blushing. It is blushing. I can see it through the shadows. <laughs> That's just a sunburn. Uh, we got a short distance dedication, Mr. Jason Myers. Jason Myers, going your own way, going your own way. All right, continue, please. Okay. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah, I, I kind of wanted to create something sort of, you know, that was that could. Be rely. I could. I could sort of rely on as like, because I don't want to get into the world of not doing art as, as my the only thing that I really do. And and I, you know, once art became sort of this full time job for me, there's there's been no going back. But I wanted to be able to sustain that. And I was like, just looking at the numbers and and looking at, you know, what the royalties come out to, and how long it takes to make up your advance and things like that nature. And after reading, actually, you know, I, I had read a, the article about Cat Power going bankrupt, and then I had read an article um, in New York Magazine uh, about Grizzly Bear, where this is a band that could probably sell out three nights at the Warfield, sell out, you know, thousand-person venue yes, all across the country, and there's the three, case, three yeah. or four of them don't even have health insurance, and they don't, yeah. and they they can barely afford their studios and things like that. And so, yeah, that's sad. And right, and and it's and it's for me, it was like uh, kind of. The f- I felt like the future, the, the way it's gonna go. <clears throat> I, I don't know if the big models are gonna really work anymore. And I don't think they've mm-hmm. worked for a long time. They work for some people. They'll always work for some people. What? But I think I think you 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 know if you if you're lucky. I was so fortunate that I had people at Simon and Schuster who who gave me a break and I had an agent who fought for me, and I'm so grateful for right. that. But when you go into sort of the reality of like. It was like, okay, I probably, you know, I don't know if I'm going to gain how many more fans at this moment in my life if I go into another two-book, three-book deal. So why don't I just go start my own thing with my fans, and that way I can fund something that I really believe in that way. And so it's like I can use that, that money to fund 
you know, to, to, to fund publishing and I could put out other people's stuff. I mean, some of the stuff that we've already published on a weekly level, I've been a huge fan of. I mean, Raphael Vigilantics pieces. I mean, I've some of the best stuff that I've, I've ever read in my life and Chloe Newsome and people like that. So, and, and so in it's, you're almost like creating the infrastructure, not just for yourself, but also for others that you feel are, you that, know, like-minded and, and doing yes. art that are, is, I want to publish stuff that I check like. it out. Yes. Yeah. And, and so, and I felt like that, this was a really good model to sort of, or I, I sort of build up a model that I, I could believe in. And I mean, obviously it's, it's a media sort of site. So, you know, I want to kind of stick with, you know, I mean, we have submission processes and then I put up, you know, the individual pieces and I want to continue that, get into the book publishing. And I'd like to maybe even, you know, go into go into music. And this is this is more about like none of this will ever make me rich or tons of money. <laughs> right. but This is more about me being able to sort of like create art for the rest of my life and help other people get them ready to take maybe a, the next step in their career. And also at the same time, I look at Exeter Media as sort of an, you know, an always evolving art project where there's nothing, there's never not nothing to do. And that's a really good feeling. And then it frees me up to, you know, explore an idea or a bigger idea that might take two years to write instead of the year timeline that I was on with traditional publishing. Well, and th so that's something I want to touch upon with uh, the, the thing that, you know, speaking personally, from my experiences, you know, the differences between even being on like, you know, a, a smaller indie label and just doing everything in house is of course the, the hassle and then the nonsense work like increases, you know, a thousandfold. Absolutely. But you also have much more control over every part of it. You know that as a for instance, that you'll be made a priority because it's your ass on the line. Right. But also it's up to you to do all the things that you need to do. And that could be very scary for someone like me who of I feel like goes through bouts of depression and bipolar. Like it can be right. that's what's terrifying because I can spend a month being like, I'm not gonna do anything. I don't feel good you know like i and I, yeah. i've battled that all my life and i feel like it's a lot more under control but you know i mean it's it, i'm susceptible and, to that and so that's the danger is, is that like if you are your own self-starter but like sometimes self-starting is a problem for you you can yeah. run into a wall really fast <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah. Yeah. well yeah let's yeah. just forget about 2013 <laughs> yeah. The, yeah, no, the no growth days the next the next I went off my medication. is <laughs> yeah. when you're a self-starter that's not good at starting yeah. We're just going to go ahead and call this year a wash and move on. Right, right. <laughs> and I feel like people are really quick to do that. I, I, it, in general, there's some people that I've always just called, like, every day is, like, every, the next day is always going to be, like, the Monday for them, you know? Like, people are just like, I want to change, and you hear it, and, you know, blah, blah, blah. And then, like, you see, you know, they're like, tomorrow, and it's just like, every day is a Monday. Okay, I get it. Yeah, right. Um, you got yeah, to you gotta actually, like, you know, Every not be doing blow at 4 a.m. Like if you want to get up at 7 to do this. Yeah. <laughs> but, um, I mean, just, yeah, going back, it was, it was, it, well, you were saying, it was, even in the music industry, I feel like that is sort of going to be that sort of future model where it's like, no one, you, 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 the only way you can really make money off your music nowadays is to be a good enough big enough band to sell out 300 person venues um twice a year on two or three tours that will pay your rent and then maybe if you license some songs which is like a christmas bonus from what i understand you know um <laughs> there's your christmas bonus now right oh hey you've been a good boy 
Thank you. Um, oh, really good. Really good employee. I know, man. Uh, maybe I'm just robbing the <laughs> robbing the register. <laughs> oh, yeah? <laughs> yeah. Um, I... <laughs> I like that. You gotta. You're, you're, just, you're just cocking the gun right now. I know. <laughs> there we go. Oh, Jason, calm down. All right, continue. They're going to be coming in a minute, man. I'll be let out of this house in cuffs. <laughs> <laughs> I'll be. I'll be fulfilling a sort of self. I don't know. Some sort of 25 year old like that. I can't believe I'm not arrested yet. You know. Um, <laughs> but uh, no. But I hear what you're saying. The fact that there's there's definitely. The focus is is different, right? The I mean, focus, yeah. I think it's and it's it's. I've found it sort of awesome if, if, to be something, you know, to be a part of something a little bit larger than myself in that extent. Where, I mean, just the act of writing a book is is completely sort of antisocial and narcissistic in a way where you're literally just telling the rest <laughs> of the world to go. Okay, I swear. Uh, yeah, absolutely. Uh, yeah, to go fuck off <laughs> while you sit in a fucking room by yourself for hours at a time, and like you know, people just want to hang out with you. They want to say, "Hey, grab your beer," and you're like moody and irrational all the time. Right. Um. So it's very. And so like not Let's having see. to do that once you. And it's like Blazed was the sort of the instigator of all this, and I, I touched on it the last time that I was on your radio show. We did, bit. and that, right. that was quite some time ago. So Blaze is uh just. Uh, for those that may be less familiar with your work, and again, for those that want to know more about all things Jason Myers, uh, you can find him, first of all, on Twitter and Facebook and, and whatnot. But Jason Myers, ExitHereMedia.com. I'm going to go ahead and throw that in the, in the chat room for uh, for anyone that wants to check it out. Um, but Blaze. Yeah, it was. So after, just a quick recap of everything. So Exit Here came out on Simon & Schuster, and... Um, it hadn't didn't do anything for about two and a half years. Um, about a year and a half after it came out, or a year after it came out, I signed a book deal for the mission. So both of those book deals were I, I got very sort of small advances. Actually, here just blew up. The mission blew up. Then I got a very large book deal for the next two books. Those have I've done very successful and and they haven't been exit here and the mission successful, but I think they've been successful in the long run. And I thought that it had given me a license to just, I could basically, you know, take a shit on a piece of paper and then like publish that or print it. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, that's not literally. <laughs> and now, and now you're your own publisher. Right, I, I, there's definitely, I, I feel like, I feel like I definitely, I mean, I can recognize that flaw in myself where I definitely got, I believe more in the sort of the praise of myself that I was never that person. I was never that guy. It was like. I remember the James Morgan character in the mission. He's a recurring character in all these books. He was like, that's who I wanted to be. And like, I felt like there was some sort of weird thing where I was like, be- slowly becoming that. And, it, and, and so it really, I did, a, I made a couple sort of mistakes along the way, as far as content that I turned in that weren't, they weren't good things. They, they were okay, but they weren't good things. And so I hit a stall point in 2012, right, right when run the game came out where I didn't have a book deal. I was terrible with my money, so I had blown through a couple hundred thousand dollars. Like, but you're definitely over four years. you're doing wonderful with the candor. I'd say. I mean, Jesus, right? I, and I, if candor could only buy burritos and rent, right? yeah. You, I will say this: I was always good with paying the bills, but I didn't have much else besides that. And it was, it was, um, it was, there was, it was like, it was sudden. So I felt it, like it was yeah. just a suddenness, and it was like crap like and so i was like okay i I, so i i need a new book deal and so and i had just had two outlines that were just rejected and at the time i was like 
doing like I'm great selling author and then I you know it wasn't until a year or two ago when I like put a, sort of re-looked through that and I was like I was embarrassed and and I wish that I wouldn't have been that that jerk but anyway with Blaze it was like I knew that I could sell this outline and but when I was writing the first two drafts I didn't want to write this book I didn't want to do it I didn't want to do it I was done for money it was done for me to survive and I didn't want to do it and but I couldn't reverse the book deal um, <clears throat> unless I was willing to pay all the money back right in one lump sum, which was already gone because I was that bad with my money again. <laughs> it was like, it was like, sweet, I've been like, I've been struggling so much. Here's money. Oh, cool. I'm gonna go travel. I'll be in Vegas. I'm gonna be in LA, New York. Yes. So, <laughs> so I, yeah, I couldn't pay it back. And so, I, I, but then I had this sort of epiphany with Blaze where it was like. Well, I have nothing left to do, and this is and this is where this new book comes in play because it's about a writer named Jason writing his sixth book, who who has who's turned in two crappy drafts and has a week to do the last draft. So with a week left, I literally threw a grenade and blew up the entire sort of idea that I had come up with with Blaze and started from scratch. And I wrote it in a week. It was so I was and I enjoyed it, and I, I thought it was good. It needed to be a couple more rewrites, but I'd get I had given that right up as far yeah. as an artist by you know I, I like finally came to a point where i was like oh this i can make this great i mean it's like there's nothing in the contract that says that this book has to be specific to the outline i turned in you know like the main character was the same and everything else was added in and and so and so like that sort of that's that that that's when I started thinking about the sort of sustainability of my life. Like, sure. do I just write for these, you know, two three book deals that will pay me what breaks down to you know thirty to fifty thousand dollars a year, which is okay. But after your taxes and your agent cut, it's more like if it's a fifty thousand deal is more like thirty, and a thirty thousand deal is more like eighteen, and and that's for art. So it's still phenomenal money. The fact that someone's going to give me that for the well yeah and of course that's that's the other side of it is that someone that you know has never had those opportunities is going to look at it like what the fuck absolutely and it was it was just about me sort of taking that control back as far as like am i like what am i going to do i have choice i have two choices and the two choices are or three there's three choices one it's i can go into the sort of private sector working nine to five blah 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 and maybe you know right on the side Two, I can keep just sort of pushing out these YA books, essentially just YA books, you know, right. one after YA being young adult, right? And and get that get that just enough to get by for the year. Or three, I can start my own thing, and you know, the good thing about three is that I can always go back <laughs> to to the other model. You know, I can always you know publish something with traditional publishing but sure. three seemed like the best way it seemed like a great thing for me to just become a part to to become a part of something bigger than myself that i believed in and with like-minded people that i can help them put out their work their stuff and and two it gets me off that timeline of doing something like letting my art grow so it's like you know i mean when you just start writing for a paycheck you just become a magazine editor, you know, like it's you, right. you're not a, you're not an author in that sense. And, and so this just, you know, even though I don't expect this book to sell nearly as well as the other ones, their return on this back into exit here media, which is what I'm going to fund it with really the book only needs to sell about a fourth of what it was just to get that. And I can, it all goes back into the company. Well, and oh, so that's, that's great. And that, and that's a good follow up question for that because we, you sort of, 
change your expectations, I suppose, to a certain degree yeah. to be realistic for the situation you're in. You know, you're not going to have that large marketing budget. You know, yeah. you're, 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 it's going to be basically solely based on word of mouth, which is a huge gamble because I, the myth, the myth is out there that, oh, well, good stuff always rises to the top. <laughs> no. I mean, no, 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 little, no, 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 no. I'm no. gonna say that poop also rises to the top. Yeah, I mean, <laughs> I like that. That's one of the better analogies. I've never actually put that together with that. Yeah, no, it, it would be not. There's so many old people. I wish I could say that to you now. Yeah. <laughs> it, it, it's it's at best a dubious claim, and, and yeah. I think that especially uh, dubious. <laughs> Claim. <laughs> uh, uh, I think you mean duteous. I think you mean doo doo. <laughs> I mean, well, I think there's. <laughs> doo doo. Uh, there's not even marijuana in this room, guys. I swear. But uh, <laughs> really, what, what I'm talking about is the like poop joke. It, it, it's almost like taking a bigger gamble on the work itself because you it, it has to spread somehow, and don't even dare t- talk poop about that. Uh, it has to spread somehow. You're taking right. a bigger I, what? Well, it's. I'm ignoring you now. <laughs> it has to spread somehow. So you you, you only have word of mouth, really. You, you only no, have it it's, that's, it's the work itself has to carry here, everything. Here's essentially so the the big myth that I think is perpetuated by a lot the fact that you are with someone like Simon and Schuster was Simon and Schuster like and I love them. I, I still like I talked like I've talked to people who are part of putting them on their books and they're giving me advice on how to put out this. There was never like I just want to make this clear. It wasn't a bad breakup. There wasn't me being angry. It was like me going, I want to try something. Sometimes a Simon and Schuster is... wasn't sitting outside your window with a boombox held up. <laughs> yeah. No. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I oh no. I just feel like so, you know. I feel like. I do this all the time. When I see an artist leaving someone or, a, a, you know, a company that they've been with a lot, I'm like, oh, they, they either got canned because their sales weren't good or, <laughs> right. or, 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 or they got in a big fight. And I just went like, no, this is me trying this out. Like, they ought, like I want to make this clear that I was offered a book deal for this book and I turned it down. So, yeah. And it was, it was just like, sometimes you need a break. Yeah, well, absolutely. And, sometimes and, you have to walk and, away and so, for I mean, money. Right. And it's, and it's, and it's, so, but the the big myth about what I was talking about is is that, so there was I've never had a big marketing campaign around my stuff. My stuff has never been. There's not going to be. There's never been magazine ads. There's never been like people trying to interview me because hey, actually right here, motherfucker. Well, I, like I, you know the, the noise, this the noise, guy. the the noise. Like you know, like just because my co-host only makes poop jokes doesn't mean that you can short sell the show. But you okay. <laughs> We weren't interviewing each other in 2007, or we weren't. We did our first interview in 2010 in this apartment, really drunk. If you go on Facebook, I think I'm wearing a funny hat, like a cowboy hat, a Western hat, right? At some oh point. Oh my God, they shot him! <laughs> right. I like big land chop sideburns. I don't have it right About now. 20 pounds lighter. Um, yeah. No, but I, I, I which, was, which was like the good old days, what I would yearn for, even though I remember being. Now it's just funny because I like having said that early in the interview where I where I'd literally be like I want my old life back. I remember feeling so, when I was doing the interview with Conan so anxious because I was in a really gnarly relationship at that point, and I was feeling being anxious over here because we were like in a big fight and like it was like it wasn't like I was stoked that we were doing the interview, but I was very like not happy with the general where I was at in my life. So it's, yeah, it's so funny that I said that. But anyway, exit here. So like. They only printed 5,000 copies of it. That was the first printing run. And so it was a word of mouth. So it wasn't until 
that book came out in May 2007, and it wasn't until the end of 2009 and early 2010 that that book blew up. So it was all word of mouth. So basically, those first 5,000 people who bought that book finally got around to reading it at some point, told their friends. I mean, because I couldn't even find online reviews for it the first year and a half it was out, and then it exploded. So they, they, I've always, they've never had a big marketing campaign for me. That's always been the word of mouth of Jason yeah. Myers. That's how it's going to filter. So inherently, mm-hmm. I can use that as to my advantage. The problem is, is just like it, it is becomes a, a sort of distribution issue where Simon and Schuster, you know, they could go into the, every Barnes and Noble and they did this for Run the Game and Blaze, where it's like this is going to be on our when you walk into the store, that big display right in the middle, you know, before the, right. the section start, and your book's going to be in, in every Barnes and Noble in America because they paid for that. That is something that, like, that's where that disconnect's going to happen. I, but I like. Personally, and maybe I'm alone on this, but I kind of notice those displays and then walk right past them. Absolutely, but like we're not. I mean, I we have to kind of think fundamentally accept that. Like, like we also, I there's people who don't, and I found yeah, books that and way. I don't buy a book every week either. So, right, and, and it's also like I don't watch well night. I, mean, I don't, you know, like I don't watch garbage TV. You know what I'm saying? Like, I, there, lots of people do. There's a big culture that does, and I'm not saying I'm not trying to equate that same thing. I mean, I hadn't been into a Barnes and Noble until you know for like four years between 2006 or 2004, 2008 before I did a reading that one. You know, yeah. So, but there's when you have like sparse locations and you have like places like Arkansas and Texas where. Barnes and Noble and a strip mall is the only thing that you can get a book at. Like it becomes very sort of that's awesome that they do that, and I won't be able to do that. And, and I put it this way: so what has changed with music is the instant availability and distribution. Of music has made it that you know, right. some kid in in yeah rural Alabama has just as much access as someone in you know Brooklyn or right. or, or uh, you know San Francisco or whatever. Which it doesn't, has it doesn't good matter. And bad Which is fantastic. It also means that there's a, you know a huge amount of stuff that's available, and, and right. music is. Not only competing with what came out that week, but what came out uh, for all of time before it. Right. I mean, Most it's, of it's which not, is more popular. I, musicians have it worse than authors in that sense is that you're really going to have to buy a copy of my book because no one's probably going to well, read it online. And, and no one's going to post it online. And to, but So you have it worse. And like you, I, I feel so bad for a lot of musicians because they make a record and they're, they either go into the hole a little bit with their record company. <laughs> or, they, or they, or they fun, Well, I mean, <laughs> I, Sub Pop's probably giving some bands $1,000 to make yeah. a record. But that's, that's, right. that's inc- still, increasingly it's, rare. Too. Right. Um, but, or they fund it themselves. And they're really not... It's rare that they're even going to break even on that, or or Very rare. or get more money, and that's a physical product they put out, and and that just sucks. And so, like, they're, they're, then the only the only revenue streams have become available after you've literally sort of devalued an entire sort of a, a revenue stream. You've, you've you've annihilated a revenue stream. So the two are touring. And, 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 and licensing songs. And licensing songs, again, people think, oh, I'm going to get so much money. It's, again, it's like a Christmas bonus. It means you can eat like out three nights a week instead of one night a week for the most part. And then, um, you know, and then touring. But even then, it's like you have to be on the road four or five times a year. Nice, right? Getting that, getting that Mario Brothers Skrilla. <laughs> so what, what I actually was, was going to finish saying is that with, with music, there is that instant availability. Sure. But people don't consume 
books in the same way that they consume music. Books right. require much more. And one can argue that to be a true music fan, uh, you you need to spend more time with the music and pay more active attention to it. But with books, it's not like throwing it on TV. It's not passive entertainment. Right. It's active entertainment. And it's also something that has gradually made its way to the digital. Sure, there's, you know, Kindles, there you got your e readers. I mean, speaking personally, like the there's a there's an iPad app that has rekindled my interest in comic books. Because right. I'm like, oh cool, I don't have to keep like boxes and boxes of like things I'm like never probably gonna read again. Fantastic. Right. It's just, it's it's But weird. I still can't with books, I still want the book. Right, I can't. I haven't made that jump to right. being an e-reader. I'm man, like I've run half this shit on electronics. Well, what, this so, what we're talking on right now, you know. Again, I think anytime that there's 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 a a sort of uh, a, a sort of dis, a market to sort of a, a market that says I want to do my own thing, and so there are companies out there now. So I'm going. I'm publishing through. Amazon Create Space. And what that is 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 that it's a print on demand. So I okay. gotcha. I paid for I paid for the cover art that I had my friend, mm-hmm. one of my best friends, and I love his art. Which looks great, it. by Thank the way. You. Thank you. And 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 then I, I brought in my own editor. And so they print on demand. So instead of going like a traditional publishing going, we're gonna print ten thousand copies of this book and then after they pay in advance and then only two thousand of those move and then they're stuck with this all this stock that costs the most expensive part about publishing a book is the printing of the book. And so the most expensive part the majority of it's stuck in a warehouse somewhere and that's how they lost so much money over the years. Well now like this book does not will not exist in paperback unless somebody orders it. You have to order it and then they print it. They print it and it ships within two days. Interesting. So that's what's it. so what's the, the overhead for that? Is that the overhead so the book is so it's twenty dollar book mm-hmm. and so <clears throat> they get they'll get eleven Tell us more, Jason. <laughs> <laughs> Give us your secrets. The, the, the details. Uh, they, the, I mean, they get. They but get, wait, there's more. They get Sorry, around eleven dollars for it, uh-huh. and then and then I get the nine dollars, and that's all coming back to me. And then it's just it's so again moving a fourth of the amount of books as normally I would. Um, but you also aren't like since you wouldn't be you be you be basically in charge of distribution. You don't have to find a place to store a room full of books exactly. before they sell. Yeah. Nor do you have to right. like own a garage so you right. could fill your garage yeah. with self-publishing before this sort of before this sort of development of companies who are willing to print on demand was you basically paying way too much money someone ripping you off to print a thousand copies and then you had to store them somewhere and if they didn't <laughs> right. sell you would never get out of the red and they self. probably were not going to sell right unless you were some self-help guru that got big in the 90s no <laughs> like it just oh, wasn't going to happen sunshine I think I would have been a good self-help guru in the 90s. There's a whole thing about Chris Hedges. Chris Hedges (laughs) writes a lot about positive psychology and how it's really just sort of turned us into this sort of like... I'm very motivational. Come on. (laughs) You said that with like an iron fist. Yeah. Look, hey. Come on. Hey, not to make this about me, but I consider that a a direct challenge. Look, look at look at the the product speaks for itself, right? Look, look at the output. Look at look at the output. You do put a lot of work into things. And well, that's also a nice way of saying like, yeah, we really saw them up there playing. Like, but. Put a lot of work into things, and it 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 generally achieves the objective. But that said, <laughs> no, I mean like you put in a lot of work into wait, wait, things that exist wait, now, the like thing, the like, radio station we're broadcasting on. Oh, absolutely. Sure. We like I I I'm a fan of Conan. Like I became his friend through being Thank a you. fan of his music and seeing his band. 
<laughs> Let's make this clear. I, That's I, what every replicator show sounded like, by the way. <laughs> <laughs> so I, on, on that list of the best claps. shows, it, like lots I, of golf claps. On that list of the best shows I had seen, I went to the daytime replicator big business show at the Hemlock, which is still unbelievable to me that that show was at the Hemlock because big business <laughs> was soaring, and replicator, who I came to find out was a seminal, just seminal, just awesome, amazing band. It's, Awesome. And so I became friends with Conan through that. So when Conan tells me, so that right there gives that a value. So when Conan tells me he's doing something, I am going to explore that. I am going to, I'm going to follow that, indulge in it because he's built a track record with me. So I'm basically asking my readers to give me a chance. Yes. Like, don't think that like, like my writing like has turned, you know, like I'm not with Simon Schuster anymore. Like I'm, I'm saying like, I feel like I've earned your trust through five books and I hope you trust me. So Please, like, at least give this a chance. That's all I'm asking. And maybe even someone that really likes the book Exit Here but hasn't bothered for whatever reason right. to dig into the rest of it. They're like, hey, if you like that, just know that, like, it's coming You'll from the same sort of place. Well, literally, literally, I mean, the, the fictionalized <laughs> the character Jason in the book wrote, wrote his big book was Enter There. You know what I'm saying? I can't get more <laughs> obvious. Yeah. That, sounds, that sounds like the GoBots version of, of, of like, this is like Transformers <laughs> and GoBots. I'm like, well, what can we do without getting sued? Right. right. Make the font look <laughs> well, as that, close that, as you that, can that, without being litigious. That did become a thing where I, I, I found that out really fast. So the first story I ever wanted to publish for Here Media and let people download. Yeah. Price was a, um, a short story uh, that was uh, in, in my download, second book. <laughs> let me download the book. It was Sorry, in my ahead. second book, Drinking the Bacon, that was never published. And but I, I one of the characters was James Morgan, and so I used him in the mission. And so Simon and Schuster right, passed on character. that. Yeah, and Simon and Schuster had passed on on that on that uh, that book that the short story is a collection of. And so they threatened to sue me if I had published that story by itself. So they ended oh, up damn. publishing a digital novella of it for me instead. But they had threatened to sue. So like, as I was, <laughs> if I'm going to sell anything for profit, I literally can't probably talk about X being the X here writer. I have to be. Wow. Yeah. Okay. Wow. Or if I, I mean, I'm just, I don't know if it's, there's probably, it's a 50, 50 legal battle. You know what I'm saying? But yeah. like, I, I don't have, there's, they're owned by CBS. I don't, <laughs> yeah, yeah. That, that, that's definitely, can't go up I, I can, that. I can litigate for about three weeks. There's a really funny Todd Snyder song where he tells a story about Garth Brooks, uh, stealing his music and it's called beer run. And it's really, it's a really funny story. You should check it out. Rob Sheffield, the music critic, he he once made this amazing claim because music, music criticism writing is terrible these days. But <laughs> it Sheffield, sure is. Definitely, <laughs> he made the claim that it was genius that uh, the only reason why Garth Brooks was good was because there was such a big absence of Bruce Springsteen during that time period. That, oh, right? that makes a right? lot of Isn't sense. That, that makes okay. so much sense. Right. Only a genius a like that could do that. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that's a lot of. That's okay. really that yeah, makes yeah, a lot of sense. Yeah. I'm, into, I'm I'm into that explanation. Right. Yeah, that works. That yeah. Um, yeah, the boss. <laughs> I mean, he's called the boss for a reason. Yeah, someone else came in and tried to boss a little bit. Right. I mean, he's he just must get. He just. I think now he's just waiting for the primaries every year, the political season. <laughs> like it's like I don't need to yeah. put out an album. I just need a Democratic candidate. Like, <laughs> <laughs> that's my tour. The primary states. <laughs> Yeah, yes. I got a little boss coming at you. I mean, I'm on fire, days. I think, is one of the best songs that's ever been made. Stuff used to be different. <laughs> now now it's di- more different. And now it's good. It's good. Uh, is there another beer? Yeah. Yeah, uh, why don't we... Uh, I'm not going to go out in the boss. Come on. 
uh, okay, so um, I do like Glory Days. I think this is a good song. I like a lot of Bruce Springsteen songs, but right, I'm on fire. Um, here we go. Oh yeah, the what creepy about, one. What about Poison hey, Control little girl. Center? Is yeah, your daddy yeah, home? We can do that. Right. <laughs> right, and so that hey, video. Hey, yeah. daddy home. Did, yeah, so the first when I was like nine and I heard that, I was like, seems weird. <laughs> and I knew that then, and then it wasn't until I was like twenty that I was actually okay with that. Like. And then I saw it's the video. It's still weird when you're 20. <laughs> yeah, but at least I had seen the video, so there's yeah. context. He's like a car mechanic. It's really Yeah, bad. daddy is like her husband, but like still weird to call your husband daddy. Right. I don't really get that <laughs> whole thing. Right. <laughs> I'm gonna, I'm gonna, hey, daddy. I'm gonna go, I mean, like, I think I'm going to go ahead and say that would bum me the fuck out, to be well, honest. Honestly, <laughs> I think if, if you look look at that, I mean, like Springsteen, like he was, he was definitely drawing on this sort of nostalgia people have for the 50s. And absolutely. 60s. Oh, so, absolutely. So, yeah. so one people, of the, some people did talk like that. In those, yeah, th- that's those, true. Yeah. And one of the reasons that I do like the song Glory Days is is because it, it is exactly that. It's it's like somebody re- sitting there reminiscing, oh, stuff, you know, stuff used to be better than it used to be, you know, but then also <laughs> like not taking stock of the current situation, which right. ties back to the earlier theme. Yeah. Uh, and we'll be right back. This is uh, Pacific Sunrise Poison Control Center. Love her, take my hand, we're on the run. Point the car towards the setting sun. We will try to fall through the night. Reaching California before the sunlight's reflection of your eyes.
those poison control centers. And we are back with I Mr. Was uh, Jason Myers. Music export. There was a uh, torpedoes on Tuesday, and before that, Pacific Sunrise Poison Control Center, Iowa boys. Yes. Talk to me about Iowa, Jason Myers. <laughs> you know, it's quickly. I, I don't even know. I, <laughs> I don't even know what I would have said if I hadn't seen this, this amazing video going to my Facebook wall, and it was like this this dude's just repping Iowa. He was like. Uh, you know, you could probably think we're just a bunch of uh, right-wing reactionaries, but we like we've gone, you know, democratic five out of less. We've six gone presidents. full democratic. You never go full democratic. <laughs> full democrat. <laughs> five out of less six elections, and uh, and they've legalized gay marriage. But actually, I grew up in a farm outside of a town of eight hundred people um, on a gravel wow. gravel road, and uh, it was. You uh, know, it's something di- I... Dicert? Di- Dicert. Di- yeah, Dicert, Iowa. Right? Something I appreciate now, um, although I don't, you know, I, I, I've i done a lot more reflecting, I think, especially with this book, and, and I I'm, don't know if I was ever really happy out there, but, like, I, I appreciate it, and I'm stoked now, but, uh, I mean, Iowa's a fine place. I'm sorry, did you say you did lots of reflecting? <laughs> Go ahead. This is this is why nothing ever changes in America. Conan keeps playing songs over things that people say. If I reflect, I gotta go watch Thirty Something. <laughs> it, it is the sweet version. To be fair, it, it is the version by the band The Sweet. Okay. To be to be clear. I mean, uh, I don't get. I, I think I mean I was I, it's great I think it's a it's got a great progressive sort of uh, streak in it. Um, I mean, like I, my I, gray I, streak, like like <laughs> how progressive? Like like I think the the, 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 the Democrats and the left are very very populist and progressive there. I mean they're left they're left of the left they're left of like Hillary Clinton. That's not they're not the, sure. the Clintons aren't their cup of tea. It's Tom like, Harkin, right? You know, exactly, like, like one of the most yes. uh, harkening back. Harkening back. Right. <laughs> we'll be harkening back with Tom Harkin on Neutron's political radio. And there is there's an element of the, the there's there's a, uh, a an evangelical presence there that is very sort of I think I think it's 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 a little bit scary not in the sort of militia reactionary uh, abortion bombing way, but it's scary in in that sense of uh, I don't think that they think of a larger context other than their own sort of short term sort of ideas like the fact that like you know Trump and Ted Cruz you know and maybe it's just the options that they're given but like that is sort of that reactionary sort of crowd that's that that right wing where I just it's it's there's a, they have a, they have their community but it's an. Ex- they feel excluded, but they're the exclusive people. I met, these, like, I met these guys on uh, the day before Valentine's Day two, uh, a while ago. Not last year, maybe the year before. Um, and they were from Des Moines. And they were trying to convince me to move to Des Moines. Um, did you I hear think for Des Moines selfish reasons. <laughs> oh, you think? <laughs> They have a crush you think, on you? You think that might be possible? They, that like they, they got me very drunk that night. I, I think was, that one of them might have been trying to take me home. Didn't, didn't there we, was, this seems familiar. Did we talk about this in the show before, and did I react exactly the same asshole way? I think I did, right? You may have. Yeah, it was it before I was like some, on the show, but not very long before. I think you told the story, at least. And, and yeah, I, I'm pretty I wa- sure I reacted almost exactly the same way as I did just then. Maybe they really wanted you to move. 
Well, I mean, they told me a lot of really nice things about Des Moines and the fact that there's a, um, a culture of hipsters there that's right. growing. So there was this, it was a Bob Dole Muse. It was, it was amazing. It's, I don't know why I, they decided to tell me that detail, like it's relevant to me or something. There's this appalling, <laughs> th- sort of appalling thing where it was like, there's someone had, my, my sister sent this to me, it was like a magazine that said Des Moines is the new Portland, and I'm so sick of everything being the new Portland, because there's only one sticky Portland. Like if Des Moines, Des Moines should, it's, just, it's the capital of the state. I, it, it's got a, it's got two Two pretty big colleges, Drake and Ames, within forty miles of each other. There should be a lot of young people. There should be a very vibrant sort of um, socially, critically thinking involved yeah. people there. So it should always be. But like, if that's again, it's again going back to this whole idea that like, why are we holding anything that can be new and fresh to some sort of the standard of something else that it's not? It's literally not it. Like everything's in New Portland, Austin's New Port. Like why can't it just be? Wow, this is a great place. And I know that the people just, it, it, you know, it creates a media buzz. I get that. I understand that. But if you honestly think, I was just in Portland last week. <laughs> you honestly think Des Moines and Portland are in the same realm? You, man, I just. Give me that Xanax. I want to go to the NPR. We'll get the <laughs> Xanax. Um, You're um, like, I need to <laughs> yeah. mask my frustrations with drugs right now right. because you guys are not just say, so far out of touch. Right. Be stoked that you're Des Moines, Iowa, and that you have this progressive, awesome culture going on. Be stoked about that. Well, I mean, that's not... I mean, they they're, they're, they're they never used, in my presence, these guys that live there never used the analogy that it's anything like Portland. Although... My hometown is a lot like Portland. Did they they use adjectives like... It's that hip, analogy. it's cool, it's young, they, they, there's a lot yeah. of art. I, <laughs> I mean, like, they didn't say those words, but basically they did say those words. And I mean, one the guy, I didn't realize this because it's kind of funny because uh, the guy I was talking to mostly who was buying me drinks as a restaurant owned, owner there. So he was talking more about the industry. Um, I didn't know that he used to be a recording engineer in LA and actually a very good one at a very good studio. And uh, he didn't tell me that, which made more sense about the connection. And then he came to my work the next day, which is another part, a funny part of the story because him and his friend came into my work to see me, but I hadn't first of all my boyfriend at the time was supposed to be at work that day and decided not to go to work and surprised me at my work and was there and then these guys showed up to see me awkward and i had not mentioned him it's like all of a sudden you're just like turning your phone screen like upside down like i was like oh this is like really weird because my boyfriend's over there working and he brought me flowers when i thought he was gonna be at work and they ended up all talking for a really long time. And he's a recording engineer at Tiny Telephone. Oh, cool. I love Tiny. It's uh, Vanner Slice, right? Yeah, John sure Vanner Slice. Yeah, yeah, so he works there and <laughs> he started talking to them. And that's when the recording engineer thing came up. And I was like, oh, this all makes so much more sense now. Right. And I was never going to go to Des Moines with you anyway, case in Des point. Des Moines. <laughs> Des Moines. Des Moines. Des Moines. <laughs> uh, Des Moines. Right. Well, okay, I, make fun of me. I this think is it's, your chance. I, yeah, I mean. Oh, this is the chance. If huh? you really think about it, it's, it's. I meant the whole show. Okay. I mean, it's like, I. I mean, any sort of like, I think again, like, I think any sort of center that or or city that has a, a sort of a, Des a, a, Moines. Des Moines. 
<laughs> Drake, home of the Drake Bulldogs. Um, Drake? Yeah. Hotline Bling? Uh, what's that? Oh, yeah. No, I mean, not the emo rapper. Um, <laughs> <laughs> I like that genre representation emo rapper. I hadn't right? thought of that. I was just making a rant against how everything's labeled too much the other day. <laughs> oh, really? Yeah. That's so funny. <laughs> it's uh, emo rapper? I can't even get... I, that know. makes him almost cool, then. No, absolutely. I, I like some of Drake's stuff, actually. Yeah, I, I like some of Drake's stuff, yeah. too. Like if, you just, if your girlfriend just fucked another dude, or like you just like you know were over it and you broke up, or you guys broke up, Drake is the shit to go to. <laughs> <laughs> that is, that's, you know, he's got Brian Adams. Fuck that, you know. It's so 1989. <laughs> <laughs> Brian it's Adams. all about Drake now. <laughs> we were walking by this whoa, homeless whoa, whoa, whoa. encampment I'm, I'm the sorry, other day. Back then, Brian Adams, like summer '69. <laughs> Sorry, uh, please continue. Well, no, remember, didn't he have the song on the Robin Hood soundtrack? Yeah, right. <laughs> you know what yeah, I know what you're talking about. Yeah. I purposely Nobody played the wrong song. Yeah. yeah. I mean, I just we can't. This is. He's not an emo rapper. Well, okay. So, not what about this of. idea? Not that so. we know of. Okay. Yet. So, like, okay, like, I like, I like we. So, this is sort of like that you keep playing this because it's like, like this sort of nostalgia that it's we another were baby about. boomer nostalgia. Yeah, right, right, oh, right, yeah. right. Oh, but like, like interesting. It's like exploring that stuff further. So it's like, I feel like, I mean, when we were talking about earlier about the digital media and stuff, I feel like, like our minds have become sort of almost unsophisticated enough to understand irony, meaning that like. So nostalgia has become so prevalent because we don't even get irony. So, like, I was watching this interview on ABC, I don't know, maybe, like, a few weeks ago, and there was a guy asking Dick Cheney, he was interviewing Dick Cheney, what he would do in Iraq without any irony at all. Like, Mm. this is a current interview. And you're (laughs) like, you're like, wait, what? Like, you had eight years. (laughs) Right. Like, like, without any hint of that. And so, like, um, you know, sort of like, or when you see, like, 28 year olds who like yearn for the Ronald Reagan presidency you weren't alive so like at some point what's I think what's gonna happen is that that you're gonna see people like you know who are nostalgic about something that happened recently and then that recent moment is really sort of nostalgic or it was born in like a moment like we met at a club so toying with this idea of, of 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 kind of that, that advertising, if you can convince you to miss tomorrow, that's going to be the next great idea. Right. And so I've been working on this story about that, and, and it starts kind of with these two kids who are who were born in 1992. And the story starts out with them looking at photos of on Instagram of them like t- meeting in 2013 and sort of being nostalgic about that. And they had met at a club night in 1991, and they were nostalgic in 2013 about a year that they weren't even born in yet. And so, like, right. when it becomes not real again, that's when I think the danger is because it becomes this sort of feel good. It's almost like a drug. It's like an opiate, you know. Like it's just you're constantly just trying to look feel good by reaching back. And I think that's what you're seeing now, in, in nostalgia is people like I said just yearning for like Reagan. You, you weren't even born yet. Like what is it's that? People like- being it's 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 a a yearning for nostalgia that never was. Right. Exactly. And it's that's, that's where weird. I, yeah. That doesn't make any sense. Well, I know. It's, it's I mean, but really common. <laughs> no, it does. How many kids? Did, I mean, how many kids did you grow up with? Go. I was born in the wrong generation. You're like, 
Why don't you go ask your parents about the 70s? They, too, were drinking shitty beer in apartment listening to bad rock music. Well, I like, mean, like, but people are like that, you know? Well, I've even seen I... that with music, with, with people that, like, <laughs> fetishize certain bands or say, oh, they're the best bands I've ever... I bet they were the best band that ever was right. ever... I was like... Actually, they kind of sucked. Like, I mean, it was yeah. it was fine, but like, you know, so and so and so and so, like, right. blew them off the stage. Like, Can you we know, get out I, the moment that like not I saw those Vietnam shows <laughs> or played that show. You know, like, and like that's a real thing. Whereas, if you weren't there, then all you have to remember it are, you know, the what's perceived as the I memories mean, of. I mean, it, I look at which is framed. I saw the Woodstock documentary, and that's the last place I ever would want to be. I, <laughs> right, it would have been cool to see Hendrix and you know, How many of those? Kids weren't wasted. I mean, I've been to festivals wasted, and I'm just like, don't remember it's anything very about blurry. It. Yeah. Like, it's like I was, but they didn't have cell phones back then. I'm so pretty like, sure I was there. Right, <laughs> <laughs> right. Hey, I got a joke for you. Uh, uh, how many Vietnam vets does it take to change a light bulb? How many? You don't know. You weren't there. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> I, I I thought that you were gonna say something after how many. That's what that pause was. Oh. You're like maybe asking yourself. I was kind of like, well, where is this going? I'm just going to ask. <laughs> it's going to a cranky joke. I ask myself that all my, the time with the show. Get off my lawn. <laughs> right. <laughs> it's just, I, I mean, I the, think that people weird... don't appreciate the moment or the present because we're always so consumed with what we could be. And I think that that it's idea. Not. It's what we don't have. It's what we That's... don't have and what we could be. And that idea in itself. If it was what we could be, I disagree fundamentally on that. If it was what we could be, I think that you would see a, like way less consumerism, way better people like actually working on fixing it. It is what like people, I think there's okay, a. Okay, maybe I'm a, thinking of myself. Uh, well, I mean. I'm sure there is that I think like but I think the people who are like looking at celebrities going I could be that are people who are just that's a spectacle triumphant that's not even really like those people are just we're gonna just those are just uh, it's, I don't know what that is I well I, I, I know just, what that is and I can sum it up with this <laughs> well I just feel like people <laughs> don't that idea welcome, is supported through our government and our culture that that supports the idea of people being held back by what they don't have because capitalism keeps you in a place where you you can't control things because you have all these ideals that you think that you can have if you work hard enough and therefore you're not appreciating the now and therefore you're not truly free and you're not truly awake and once you are truly free and awake then you can actually experience the world and that's dangerous for people that are in control that's dangerous for people that have money and I think it's changing now because it has to I think that's what that new Star Wars movie was all about I think people are like actually starting to acknowledge that we need to have a little bit less. I know. I mean, it, well, we're, it's what's going to happen. I mean, it's it's sort of. It, I mean, I would say if there's not a sort of fundamental shift politically into a democratic socialist model, meaning that like by 2030. 60% of our GDP will be inherited wealth and the Republicans have been re- repealing the inheritance tax for a really long time and so that's going to blow up a 2.3 trillion dollar sort of it, it, into revenue that it's only going to be made up on our backs and so like I think I mean I like it's it's 
sort of weird that like the capitalists don't themselves get that regulation saves them from major revolt. I mean, like <laughs> that, that is even though even though the, the crappy regulations that we still do have, like are keeping us enough to sort of like from being like totally going like, wow, you're totally fucking us over. And I I think yeah. And I and I think the sort of I mean like. The Western liberal sort of democratic that, that or democracy idea says freedom in the market, and it becomes a sort of like cons- vulture consumerism, where it's just like it's like you are. I mean, you saw the '90s. You really did. Naomi Klein and No Logo talks about this. It's a great book. And in the '90s, where you saw companies turning their products into uh, movements, you know, like the Nike wasn't about. It was a lifestyle. It wasn't a shoe. It's just a shoe. Like, you know, and like Apple became yeah. the sort of, and, and, and so what they do is it's, they sort of wrap, they get your mind. So like, you think that you're this sort of hip, edgy, critically thinking person. And really, I mean, like, that it's just sort of like, they just want you to buy more and then you're going to buy more. And the more you buy, you, fundamentally, that doesn't make you more happier. So then you find yourself, you know, even if you're doing well financially, sort of unhappy and discontent because this consumerism yeah. hasn't. Hasn't they've, done anything for well, you. Well, they've proven that people. There are studies that are widely available on Facebook and all sorts of news things. Are they in quiz form? Because I won't look at it otherwise. Oh, <laughs> I don't think so. Uh, was, no list form too. Yeah, but. Um, I mean, I made a list. People but. are happier with experiences than things, <laughs> and that's like n- a known thing now. Right. And the idea that but you can obtain those experiences, like that's kind of. But no, because I feel like. People are. I mean, I don't. I don't know if they, I don't know if there's a number I know on this, but I feel like people are experiencing more with the globalization of the media, the media of the now. Like so, like they can live vicariously, literally through these shows and whatnot, and like for the for the people, you know. So like they feel, you know what I'm saying? So it's like, it's like, you know, what we were just talking about, you know, Anthony Bourdain, you know, like sort of kill what I love sort of like I like you're gonna make you know people are gonna get super into food in Des Moines, Iowa and you can open a restaurant and be very successful there but are people going I to actually leave them. and yeah, go experience true. right right but are people gonna go leave and experience and, and things like that because they can just sit at home and watch well right now like airfare is so cheap but that's the thing is like people aren't traveling because they're afraid which is another huge part of it where we've created jumps <coughs> Chumps. Well, right, right. we've created I mean, this image of like terrorism that keeps people from going places because they're afraid of the possibility of being attacked or killed. Which, which, which anyone can walk into. A mo- I mean, we you, have a terrorist problem. We always pro- exist. So I, I just like to point problem. out that, that in this entire conversation, that was Gang of Four with Capital. It fails us now. <laughs> uh, return the, the Democratic gift, Socialist Branch. Yes, Return the Gift, and they stuck a dollar bill in every album. Yep. Yes. Just, please continue. Does anyone still have that dollar bill out there? I may probably, I bet they do. I'm gonna say I they do. kept that for like six years, and then one time I was just not didn't have you money. Were, I really <laughs> needed a Coca Cola. <laughs> I was like, I could probably, I could, like, I could totally buy a pack of ramen with this. <laughs> it was a Coke. I remember it. it, was, it was a very, oh, you yeah. like went yeah. over it in your head for right. a while. Turn the gift to corporate America. Yeah, you look at it, and it's almost like you're looking at it with the monetary. Equipment of like you know when the 
you you see the the person stranded in the island and they turn to a hot dog or a hamburger like from the cartoons, but like that's what like the dollar looks like. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you don't think of it as like an artifact. Oh, that's a cool musical thing did they did to uh, really right. Where's commentary my on, on on capitalism <laughs> versus <laughs> socialism if and the the class distinctions that we have. They're so unfair in this country. It's more like. I could totally buy a laminita with that. <laughs> right. If I buy 10 of these albums, I can buy a burrito. <laughs> right? <laughs> That's Reaganomics right there. <laughs> That's true. Nonsensical and you're only poor. <laughs> like, <laughs> yes. I think I've got your economics lesson right here, actually. <laughs> Thank it's you, so Gang true. of Four. <laughs> yeah. Well, it's, I mean, uh, I'm going to Egypt in six weeks on a spiritual tour of the pyramids, like up the Ooh. Nile. <laughs> And I Egypt, man, the the Muslim Brotherhood. I'm telling, I'm joking. You know, I'm joking. I was just I'm joking. Say like, come on, these people do. They, they. I mean, they I love Westerners. Go, They're right. happy to have tourism. I, even, I mean, we can even talk about ISIS and them being almost using the, the Israel model. They are all like Israel, but I don't want to go there. Like, I shouldn't. Well, but. I actually have like really. I, strong I know we did feelings. the NPR bit when we first started out, but this is not actually NPR. <laughs> I have a book coming out and like. Three weeks. But anyway, no, go on. No, I was just saying, like, people, for one thing, uh, flights are really cheap right now because no one's flying because people keep blowing up airplanes. (laughs) Two... Every a lot of people, (laughs) a lot of people that I've talked to about going to Egypt are like worried about me going, and I'm kind of like, well, I mean, you can't live your life by. By, like, not doing something because you're afraid that someone might, you know, like, something something crazy could happen at any moment. My coworker died two weeks ago listen, by we accident, have, listen, really we, stra- tragically. We, we look at countries and we, we, we go, it's weird because we, we, we mediasize our atrocities, but we don't call it the same thing. And this is just a labeling issue, okay? So, right, when someone kills somebody in the abortion clinic, that's terrorism, okay? It's the same thing that ISIS does when they behead somebody. It's the same thing. We just label it different. So you have white people going into black churches. You have white people. You have black, I mean, you have black people, gang members killing black members. I mean, there is a serious problem with violence and access to guns in this country. But at the same time, like, you are not, you are not, like, the chances of a white person coming in and sh- killing you in a movie theater are the chan- uh, same chance as as you being in Berlin and or even Egypt and and yeah I mean th- at least I mean the the military is running Egypt now and they're a little bit pro west but I mean I don't think there's an issue there I don't like there's conflict know. issues near the Israel border that's that's it we're not going to be there which is fine for me but it sucks for those people and it is good that people are aware of the civil unrest their government is very unstable right. My friend was in Turkey a few weeks ago and someone put a bomb on the subway that she was using, but you know, like she didn't die. And I think that it was detonated and no one was killed. Maybe some people were injured, but she happened to be there and she was like, you know what? Every time I travel, I just expect something like that to happen because that's the world we live in. Again, again, like the crime, the violent crime in this country, especially deaths. Turkey, right? With, with firearms. (laughs) Yes, is, Tony, is, that's correct. Is, 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 I think it sounds like this all the time there, right? <laughs> it's where, it's where we exported ra- Thanksgiving from. I think from. that's a little racist, Conan. <laughs> <laughs> Pilgrims. Who are you calling Jive Turkey? Yeah. We, can, we can start with the gentrification with the Pilgrims and the Turkey. Just, uh, that's a Turkeys are gentrifying <laughs> yeah. all sorts of neighborhoods right, these uh, days. Right, exactly. Um, 
No, I mean, I, I, honestly, I, like if, if we were really honest about ourselves, and we're we never are as a country, we never are. We can never take that collective in and just go, you know, the majority of this crime that the crime, the violent crime that's committed, is by, you know, psychopaths with access to any weapon they can get, and it's usually white people committing crimes against people. And then obviously, but that's the majority. The violent crimes are committed by white people with access to any firearm they want. That is the reality. And until we start, like, it is the same thing. It's just a labeling difference until we really start, you know. I think that a civil war is on the brink. Like, no. I really feel like. Nope. There, no? No. No, no, no okay. chance. No, no. You know why? Wow. Cut that down. Because yeah. we have highways? No, because people are too comfortable. Yeah. And because they because just people, enough. Just enough. People have, uh, there's just enough convenience yep. to keep people from the idea itself of giving that up. So it's. it's a totality. Terry, I found a really weird sticker at a bus stop recently. I posted a picture of it. It said, a totalitarian state will not be forced upon you. It right. will be bought in the blind desire for convenience. That's and that's no, why that's as, as I mean, much it's as... It's happening night- right now. Like a lot of like... It is happening. That, this that's country absolutely. that we don't want to... Like again, like, that inherited wealth is getting, it's so large that you can't even see. It. You'll never know who these people are, and that's sixty percent of the GDP that's like non-tax revenue. And so it's oligarchy. We are in an oligarch system, and like it's, it's so weird to say that because you don't think you're always like, oh, we're drifting, we're drifting. No, we're in it right now, and people don't. They only get that weirdness post. You know what I'm saying? Like, so oh, we just have to all start marrying those people that are inheriting wealth, and then it'll start distributing, right? That's, no, no, that's no, how no, it goes. No, no, because no? because just what start it was is with the rich people. No, because like our model is set up to thinking that, or our way of thinking is thinking that we're still in the Gordon Gecko era, where there's all these self-made millionaires, and all that revenue is taxed. At, on different on different things, so all of a sudden, when it's just when 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 the wealth is being transferred through an inheritance, it's less taxed. So it's not people self-made anymore, and that's it's going to go from twenty-five percent to sixty percent in the next fourteen years, and that's what that's what's going to blow up this sort of economy. I mean, unless there's a big change, because remember yeah. when Bush came to office, they started they called the death tax and they started repealing parts of it. And so, like, it's really, like, we are, we're already in the oligarch society, and it's like, do we want to go to total, total fascism? That sort of, and that's kind of the San Francisco model right now. I think San Francisco is playing with neo-fascist sort of economics in that sense of, of, of just using the market to sort of value everything. And it's like, like, ultimately, Mother Nature can just blow this whole thing up, meaning a huge earthquake like 1906 would just ruin that market. Markets are man-made. That's the most ridiculous thing. So, like, during the bailout, you know, Ralph Nader called it a society of, of, or culture and society of hyper-decay that would throw trillions of dollars to uplift a system that is completely broken and doesn't work. Yeah. (laughs) And so you have, I think it's, 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 it's sort of weird to, like, I don't think people want to acknowledge that they've become the society that they never wanted to become. And I think that's really where it is, and that's acknowledging the present. So we reach back. That's the nostalgia. Um, we don't understand irony. And the future is something that even though, like, you know, we wouldn't be better in the future, but you can't be better in the future unless you acknowledge the now. The now, exactly. Yep. Yeah, I completely agree with that. That's why I'm doing so much work on myself because you can't be happy if you don't love yourself and stop worrying about nostalgia we'll be back with uh, more nostalgia more talk about san francisco and all this and so so very much more with mr jason myers uh coming up shortly 
Luau, drive like Jehu. Yeah, yeah. Next month. Next next month. I'm very excited about that. We were Lindsay and I were lucky enough, lucky enough, dedicated enough. I suppose you might say that we, uh, when they announced their reunion at the Spreckles, Oregon, we talked about this in the show at the Spreckles, Oregon in San Diego, Balboa Park. Balboa Park. Uh, we drove down for the weekend to see it because it was one of those things. Where like, well, who knows that's if awesome. this is going to fucking happen again? Right. Like right. this is some like crazy ass like. And that's one band I saw Hot Snakes so many deep, deep, times. Yeah, and I, these but arms I, are snakes and 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 Drive Hot Snakes. Hot Snakes. These arms are snakes. No, these arms are snakes. It was not not affiliated, but like I, no, no, not affiliated, but like oh, two, you're talking about good that, that snakes era, bands. That era, yeah. gotcha. Yeah, that era where there was a lot of bands the, that had snakes in the name. No, just <laughs> like, I, I listened to Drive Like Jay. Dude, snakes are, in the plane. Dude, snakes on a <laughs> snakes in a name. Snakes on a name. Not snakes on a plane. Samuel L. Jackson. I'm tired of all these. Snakes and all these damn band names. Jackie Brown quotes. Um, no, uh, I was just saying that the two of the bands I listened to from that era the most probably these arms are snakes and drive like Jehu. Yeah. And then hot snakes. Not, not say, hot snakes. No, I did okay. listen to a lot of hot snakes. What about the East Coast bands like Hot Water Music? Way different. Anyway, uh, so we went down. We went down different. to the thing. Okay. We Creative went, control. We we, we we went down to see them on the thing, knowing that it was like. Like everyone else, it was going to be like, is this ever going to fucking happen again? Who knows, right? And like, also, like, oh, they're playing with the organ that's built into this gigantic amphitheater. Well, that's fucking yeah. crazy. Let's go see that shit. And like five thousand other people have the same idea, but we were like twenty feet away from the stage, <laughs> and it was it was amazing. It was a beautiful, special moment, and worth all the effort and hassle to get there. But yeah, I mean, they're they're playing a proper show at the at the at the indie. Yes, they're, uh, and that's going to be. I think it's just going to be amazing. Um, Hot water music is fine, Brenna. You're not, right. you're not offended by my dismissal I've, of them not being part of no. the Hot Snakes family. Well, I could tell I, I could tell the Hot Snakes. And my, that's my favorite song from them is Creative Control. And uh, I'm a huge fan of Hot Snakes. I'd give up sex for Creative Control. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I did, like it's like an outline list of all these yes, things that like yes. you do to like give up creative. If you have and creative so control. I, I have total I creative do that. control now. No. Oh. <laughs> Well, I actually, you know what I always do? <laughs> Wait a second. Get Segue that. into Jason by my book. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry, Hot Snakes, I used you. <laughs> well, also, I mean, I wouldn't give up sex for cre- creative Join the Merchant Marines. Contract a horrible disease. Yeah. I'd even say please. Creative um. control. Um, no, I... I would you I, give up sex for creative control? I, short term, yeah, absolutely. Short term, <laughs> short term. Yeah, I've always, I've always. Well, had, I thought that meant permanently. Come on, we will give we, up. No, I would not. Well, no, I mean we put the parameters on what that means. Give up in the short term, give up forever. I again, it's a labor. Short term, issue. okay, maybe, but no. So this all ties back to the fact that you, Jason Myers, have established complete and utter creative control over every part of what you're doing. Yes, that's great. Sad history of Good beautiful job. nostalgia. Um, which is a uh, yes, boom. The last time I actually, I think I like really rocked out to the song. I was back in Iowa when I was driving my sister's minivan to go pick up my niece from dance class. Wow! Wow! <laughs> I had this. Song a lot of going. things that happened yeah, in yeah. that sentence. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> There's a lot of things going on. I, you know. Yeah. I must have been very uh, dissatisfied about something. <laughs> I felt the need to just go for it with that song. In right. a minivan. Right. My, 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 my niece was uh, turn it down. You know. <laughs> She's like, this Why is weird. Jason's unhappy, mom. <laughs> 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 but, 
And mom's like, what's new? Right, yeah. <laughs> uh, that's why he moved to San Francisco. Yeah, and is it better now? Oh, I'm, ha- I'm happy. I think I've... I've I think my unhappiness has always kind of stemmed from, like, me kind of being, being, I don't know, I, I think me not sort of writing, putting out, you know, the book that I think I'm capable of. No, that's not even, that's not where I've been. I think I've been unhappy because I've, I've seriously, in my unhappiest moments, because I feel like I've generally been happy in life. My unhappiest moments, I think, it's it's when I've caught myself acting a fool, meaning like I got caught up in my the own the commodity of my art and the consumerism and the right. culture. That's when I found myself unhappy. Otherwise, than that I've been really happy with everything, and I'm totally stoked on the future. And good, yeah, that's so, great. Well, and so that, that's an interesting segue because I think it's you're in a situation where exit here especially resonated with people in such a way that much like we were talking with Tim Green last week about Nation of Ulysses like you know being like a new generation of kids like discovering Nation of Ulysses and being like oh my god this is the have you heard the, this thing it's the best thing oh my god and like every year there being a new generation of kids that that find that it, it seems like exit here is sort of the same sort of way that it as those kids age into actual young adults or and like whatever develop their own personalities and, and do whatever they're gonna do there's still a new group of people that find that sort of like ageless ennui and like all of like the themes that happen with exit here which was your first book right which is that's the thing is like exit here still still selling around a thousand copies a month which is ridiculous um like minor threat albums or something along those lines where like there's always going to be there's always going to be minor threat records sold cuz always there's going to be some like 14 year old kid who's like you know here's like fillers like oh my god this is the best thing i've ever heard and like flips out right right yeah and and i th- you know i it, yeah it, be, it being the first book it, it's, it's sort of like you see the writing progress and then you're like but everyone's just going to the first book but like i actually i mean i understood it cuz i i feel like that's one of the books, one of the only books that I was really kind of forward thinking about shit, or actually like really taking the time to, uh, I guess a better taking the time to sort of uh, um, understand what the sort of dysfunction and unhappiness was within that character, where I feel there's a larger idea at stake in that book and that sort of whole thing of like just being honest and truthful and figuring out like what is real what is real and what's you know perceived and what is sort of like just you know debauchery um you know and those distinctions i think i think that really was a you know that's why people so many people who had never done those things in their life could read it and 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 sort of empathize with travis or be angry with travis but at the same time be engaged totally in that book. Well, and in the same sort of way that for me, reading Catch on the Rye, my age, or even like in my late 20s versus reading it for the first time, I got different things out of it. Right. Like Absolutely. I actually felt a different level of empathy or patience with, with, the, with the character. Of just, you know, just like things that you're like, oh my God, that's totally the thing to be like, that's not a real problem. <laughs> right, <laughs> you know, right. which isn't to say that the one, and again, harkening back to what we talked about earlier, it doesn't say that like the one isn't more important than the other. It's just a parallax view, right? Absolutely. You're coming at it from a different spot, right? So then, how have you found with the these different these other stories, these other books that you know tell different kinds of stories? Because as I've gone on record to say before, I like Exit Here quite a bit, but I think the mission is your best book. Like I think I, that's my is, favorite. I think Run the Game's my best. Run the Game, actually, and I gotta say. I think Run the Game is probably a close second. 
And but run the game is weird, and run the game asks a lot weird. more of the reader because you're, there's multiple points throughout the story where you're like, "The fuck? Why am I rooting for these fucking people? Like they're a bunch of like like fuck ups." Or and why assholes. do I care? Why, I mean, why like, do I give was, a shit? Was, there's this, right? there's this world that's created that like is very I, robust and, and nar- completely narcissistic, completely yes. based on identity through culture and and identity through culture and consumerism. And that was like that's why it was six hundred pages. I mean, I don't really like to like explain myself so much, like as far as like why I did that or things like that. But run the game. There's sort of mundane pop culture things and whatnot. It was like this is just like me scrolling down Facebook. Well, I, and, you that's, know, and that's what like that's one of the secrets behind that. Yeah, and, and I got that because the thing for me is it, it turned from me from me being like oh my god this fucking book is like rough like it's like reading the road in a way like it's like a harsh <laughs> joke you know like it's like but in a way different way in the way that like you're like ugh there's like this but total like vapidity but also like there's that d- innocence d- in there that's there's like, that innocence that's like because it's been they, they've been so corrupted by forces I think outside of their own sort of control to an extent that they can't control at that age that like you're sort of like you empathize with the debauchery that they partake in and the sort of selling of themselves because like why wouldn't they have done that? It's almost a desperate innocence and a right. des- desperation to feel much of anything at all, and and tying these these implicit and explicit goals to these sort of over fetishized ideas of what of possibility. Right, right, exactly. Thank you for saying that. Exactly, this whole thing You're like. People and I've got so many emails, and I don't fault people, or I, I, I get why they. It's think a harder that, read. People, it's a harder read. But people but are like, people are like, oh, I really thought they were going to New York, and I'm like, what? No, that's <laughs> not. That's not the point. The point right, is the no, one. No, no. Right. Well, yeah. It's, yeah. It's it's that whole like I'm shooting heroin, and we're gonna fantasize New York. We're gonna, you know, it's like. No wonder why people actually probably do look to the past more because, like, when they actually probably think about the future, they're fucked up. <laughs> and, right. And or in that essence, but yeah, it was like. It was the, the sort of extreme versions of like every every sort of moment between Alexander and Patty. There was no moderation there. There was no like there was no getting to know each other. There was no like we're falling in love. It was just I'm in love. We're gonna like build a future. Fuck you. You suck. You're cunt. Yeah. You're you're <laughs> dick. You know like all in this that stuff. sixteen year old, seventeen year right. old yeah. like just like whoo, snap decision. Right. Like we've been together for a thousand years. No, it's been a week. And then so people <laughs> when, when the book came out and it was trashed right away and I would just and people were like this is so extreme and I was just going down through Facebook and I was like this behavior is mainstream <laughs> if everyone's doing I like it's like beyond me how people don't see those parallels but at the same time I also don't have I the backing of the noise machine I don't have the New Yorker you right. know like like David Foster Wallace who like I, I enjoy his writing but I don't think Infinite Just was this amazing great like it's fine it was good but like you know those <laughs> reviews that came out it's interesting Exit Here has sold more over 10 years in Infinite Jest but uh, you know but the reviewers like the New York the New Yorker the New York Times who like you know basically just like hyped that so much that it was just like whoa this is just this is really that's almost sad what you did to the book and what you did to him in a sense because you made this myth that never existed it was a good book it wasn't this the greatest book of the generation and i think that's proof with how many people that actually sort of try to indulge in it and read it well and ultimately yeah i, I would turn that around to say that's the difference between a band like the melvins versus a band like nirvana right both, both of which absolutely. i love yeah i absolutely adore both yeah. bands but for different reasons and society on a greater whole 
you know, aunt and uncle, grandma, like whatever, like person on the street are going to equate those things totally differently. And they're going to equate the thing that they don't have the immediate familiarity with as being substandard or, well, obviously that's not on the same level. And it absolutely right. is. Uh, it's, I mean, it's just, I, right. It's, it's, they I, go for different things. And like the one like goes for a little more, you know, you acquire a little more buy-in, a little more trust. You, but you, right, exactly. You're having to ask people to be like, well, the same people on that side of the train tracks have the same, are dealing with the same issues, how to pay the bills every month, how to, you know, and it's, you're asking people to, you're asking people to like sort of identify with something that they're not familiar with and, and which, which we should be doing all the time. We should be striving for that because that's how we, we evolve. Yeah. Yes. But we, we don't do should. Right. Yeah. We should be doing that. And, 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 and instead, you know, we, we, instead that's sort of, and I don't think consumerism works that way. I think consumerism, you know, I think, I think there's just, there's a lot of, money to be made by sort of you know presenting false identities or sort of false pathways or culture through it but at the same time keeping people isolated within sort of their own socio and economics like people can't afford 180 dollars jordans and if and that's what's funny is is that like you see that when like when 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 African Americans go in and buy the hundred eighty dollars Jordans, and then like they're wearing them, and then some you know some TV shows interviewing them, and they're like, "I can't pay the bills," and people look at the shoes, and then all of a sudden they're assuming the worst things possible about these associations, where it's like we're all in the same struggle, man. Like, yeah. <laughs> well, but like, that, that has an idea of the commons too, and the idea of the commons right. is, has been actively attacked over and over and over right. again uh, because the idea is you want to keep people, keep people wanting you keep people buying right. keep people buying then commerce will prevail and, and if I yeah and I, that means I'm better fun. than you Win, and, is and, this and, false narrative and, with and, the winning or the winner or the and, loser and speaking of which uh, new Jason Myers book is now on sale and <laughs> no 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 it's on sale February 16th <laughs> oh uh, you can't they can't pre-order no pre-orders no pre-orders never yeah. mind so it's going to be uh, available well, through have you seen the release schedule for this podcast <laughs> 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 it'll, it'll work out just fine yeah <laughs> sad history of beautiful nostalgia is of course what, what we're talking about uh, yep. but you know ultimately there are very few instances in the world of people that have made great profit or great strides upon challenging people's expectations and bringing in new ideas. It's usually giving either people what they want or what they think they want or changing just enough of it to get some fulfillment out of it. I'm talking about a larger larger vantage point than, you know, just like a music world or a niche book world or something along those lines. And I think that that's notable as far as our society that considers itself the frame just like how people are like oh i'm so busy well you you certainly think that you're busy but how, you're, how, you're how just, busy are you you Pe- know you're narcissistic because you don't place importance on the time on of other others things. right and so since there's no importance on the time of others something i was ranting about <laughs> earlier actually between the break it you end up in situations where people elevate their own importance of which social media totally totally supports that oh absolutely i mean this is sort of the great modern the great modern horror of our time is the lack of visibility being invisible <laughs> well it, it's it's just like being alone in a crowded room it's being invisible in a public place right it, it, it's that media, same sort of situation right. so but you never are anymore because social media makes you visible at a show that you might know you know what i'm saying like you might be there alone but like but how much of that is true connection it's not it's not at all there, I mean, I, there's nothing true or con- right. connected about that at all and i think 
I mean, I think that that there's been a great. I mean, there's so been, that's there's, why getting getting back to what I, what I was I was I was talking about. I think Run the Game is a much more challenging book actually than Exit Here, which is which is challenging. But oh, I think, no, yeah, the, I think the precept of Run the Game is like requires more of a buy-in, and then once you're like. There's like the what the what am I what? Well, first of all, like, it's, like, it's, 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 yeah. inherently it's about <laughs> inherently it's yeah, about it's about I mean, it's about, there, it's about a fourteen year old there's a whole lot prostitute of, uh, and a nineteen year old male prostitute right what sort of element to it for sure so like t- 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 there's no starting starting from just the basis of the characters where like I've always thought like I like to challenge myself by writing characters that I don't think I'd particularly like or hang out with or or be around or you know i think it's challenging to make a case for people that you don't really like and you don't really agree with like what they do and to make them compelling and people like them i think that is that is how you show your sort of true mark as a writer and the story i think is inherently second like but some people definitely disagree with me on that but (laughs) <laughs> At the same time, like starting with the premise of a nineteen in the Midwest in Indiana with a nineteen year old guy, you know, in a, a junkie in a rock and roll band who's halftime hooker and a fourteen year old girl hooker, like I did. So I have no built in fan through that, you know. Even <laughs> right. my fans of Exit here, you know, like if you just told them that was the premise, but then so building up on that idea of yeah, I you know, like it was this like breaking down i mean that that beaver falls was a made-up city in indiana there was not a town in indiana called beaver falls and it was this sort of idea of this sort of like libertarian like factories of clothes beaver uh, municipal (laughs) guns and roses (laughs) the municipals you know programs as far as like the police and stuff cut in half and it was just a town basically run on the free market of drugs prostitution and you know the occasional like small business but like it was located close to enough metropolitan areas that like kids from those areas would come in and inhabit all these like you know this used to be an old factory town so all these buildings and make it a sort of art center too as well right and yeah it was about the the sort of the the corruption i think that starts at a very early age and there's a lot of metaphors in that book but the literal references of that i think you know i I didn't think that people i didn't want people to be like god that's i feel so good i think and that's what i was really ripped on was every every sort of every reason i would have pitched that book all my if i would have pitched that book was the reason why people hated it and so right. that just shows you and starting off on you know you're already starting off in in a weird place and i wanted people to just to be like god damn you know fucking shit can suck when you let it get out of control like, <laughs> and that really honestly if i could break that down right like that's the absolute like, truth at the of end life. of the day we have to be our own police within ourselves and like yeah, that was absolutely. really what that was and this and the idea of sort of fan you know being being getting fucked up and fantasizing about this better future but doing nothing about it in the time was definitely something i wanted to address as well what's a good thing to address it's certainly relevant, and and so then as far as getting back to you know people that maybe are, were on board for exit here and like that's like a super defining thing, but just don't dig any deeper. Like how like how do you feel about that? Like what like what's I think it's, and not that you can control it or anything. Like you, you know you can't you can lead the horse to water for sure, and you can, right. you can put the put it out there. But I mean, honestly, I think Travis was a rich kid. And 
Travis was a rich kid hipster listening to who didn't spend time on the internet and all his friends were good looking talented people they didn't really mess around on the net or social media they were just into really cool shit and had access and at the same time <clears throat> they all were very sort of like they they understood these fundamental flaws and faults in themselves and I think that was very relatable at that time I think you you were seeing like you know, this was the culmination of the Vice era. You know, of course, so you yeah. see rich kids dressed like scumbags, which is a joke in the new book. You know, <laughs> right? <laughs> you know yeah. that band R uh, was R S K. Rich kids on LSD mm-hmm. is rich. We just I just changed the the letters to rich kids dressed like bombs, and you saw that. Like Dash Snow was one of the biggest artists in the two thousands. But what people don't know is his family is the first art family of America. You know, so you right. have he, he's not coming up from a right. And Vice, <laughs> right. Vice fundamentally to me, Vice was about upper to middle class kids wanting to just yeah. fucking deny that absolutely wanting no part of what they were actually from but using those advantages and then like basically sort of ripping off this sort of like working class poor style culture or aesthetic and I think that really in, in 2007 that book was published I think that's really there, that was the moment that was right for that book and especially right. with it coming to like the genius move by Simon Schuster to to to, to make it a co-release of YA too. This was coming after, which definitely is where right, it's going to resonate. Right, this right? was right after Twilight, and like my book happens to be right next to Stephanie Meyer in the YA. So, <laughs> well, it's so I mean, and this might be an, an interesting question. You might reject the precept of entirely, but if you were to, you know, go back with what you know now, like, would you do anything different with that book? With Hexa here? Yeah. Would you Would you like try to? challenge things a little more like maybe like a like push it a little further or do you, you kind of feel like it's a, it's everywhere i need to be i think i think i think i mean i could i it, i don't i would i wouldn't want to because it's the same reason why i got caught up in not being able to do a sequel of it when i thought about doing a sequel where it was like the story is just what it is like I, right I, I would if i would go back if anything that i would do i would definitely sort of like it's like those there's like starship, there's a starship it, troopers three by the I way have, a movie. i wouldn't have made it so <laughs> dark right before travis has that sort of I'm gonna, you know, that moment of right. like self redemption. I wouldn't have made it so dark where everyone just goes out. Like I think maybe that's sort of like what I wouldn't have done. Like I really think like I, I was there was such a cynicism in me at that time where I was like just everyone's gone. You know they are all fucks. Yeah, but like yeah. even at the same time, like inherently, like I mean, look even Travis. The thing that like he was leaving and what he got in trouble for, he didn't kill anyone, even though he thinks he might have. Like, right? Like he never did it, you know. And it was like, of course, like he was monstrous in those actions. Of it doesn't mean he wasn't being a terrible person, right? But But, yeah, and so like, and I think that that's what like you know this was excess out of control. But then people trying to sort of deal with those consequences, and I really think you can look at that just in society from basically. If you want to even look at you know just the way we behave from like '98 through with this you know you know Wall Street making so much money and consumerism and 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 this rise of sort of technology and apps and people you know like I think there's 
there's this general excess there and like i think it was sobering to see somebody who didn't have to do any of that to to even he like i don't he's not a good person like he wasn't a good person i know travis <laughs> right. Wayne is not somebody that he's I not think, a hero right i think he'd be a dick if i saw him and met him like you know and so like yeah but to see him question all that and i think to actually be the martyr in that because that was actually something that was to, he was he was a substantive or substance Substantive, substantive martyr, which I think right. nowadays we have just martyrs without any substance. So, martyr without cause and a rebel without applause. <laughs> Love it. But yeah, I yeah, and so <clears throat> I yeah, I don't think I would have. I don't have no interest in going back and really. Sure, sure. I, I'm not tr- trying to like and say that's that why you I should. Stick to, <laughs> I that's to that's be why clear. the sequel, like you know, when I tried to write, it was like. There's, I don't have like at least now's not the time because like Travis has nothing to say to me like that character just didn't have anything to say to me at that moment I tried like I really tried and this was for commercial and maybe that was maybe this was all part of when Blaze was happening and, and I was just so trying to like retain everything that I thought I lost and really lost nothing all I mean right. you look back into and it was really just like you, you know, you got getting cut up. Like I, I have everything that I need. I, I, like Gorbid also the best. Like I the only thing a writer needs is a desk and a notebook. I honestly like, and that's right. really all I've needed. And Getting I look back at that, and I look back at the happiest moments of my life, and it is just me with a desk and doing what I want to do and making the stuff I want to make, and that's happiness. And like he's totally right. And it's when I've strayed from that that I've been unhappy. Well, and so then as far as and let's just tie it all back in, you know, at, at the moment of this taping live. It's 18 days, four hours, 41 minutes, and 53 seconds to the uh, the new book. Thank <clears throat> you for the counter, by the way. That makes my life much easier. <laughs> uh, a sad history of beautiful nostalgia. So, what what are your like? What's the goals w- with this? Like, what what are you what are you hoping? Because there, this is a pretty big leap. Yeah. You know, this I- is. A- <laughs> you, the goal, the goals, as far as the the, the artistic goals or the both, uh, I guess. I mean, like, like what? As far as challenging the reader to, I think I, for different things. What 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 are you looking to get out of with this? Um, I I I, I to to think about the the sort of within the culture that they live in, as far as like with nostalgia and with looking back. I think I. I I saw it myself, and I don't think it's a coincidence that, like, I wrote a book about somebody so unhappy, like, who's writing their, you know, working on a book and giving it a week, who's so, who wants his old life back. I don't think it was a coincidence that was written at this time where, like, we're literally always talking about missing yesterday. And, <laughs> right. And, and so, so the, aesthetically, yeah, I, I think I want people to look at, look at, look at that sort of aspect. And because it does sort of, I think challenge um, I think of what it is to be happy like happiness is is really just you you're def- you define it yourselves it's not what somebody else it's not wanting something else like you have to like I mean you have to be okay with yourself and it's like it's like if you're if you're to that point where like where I was where I was when I'm trying to explore these years where I was Living on Hate Ashbury, getting paid by Simon and Schuster, hundreds of thousand dollars to write a book, having books blow up and be bestsellers, be right. blogged about, have all these fans, and there was still some sort of fundamental emptiness. And then mm-hmm. when I, <clears throat> and then like to go back to that, 
thinking that I was like so happy back then when I wasn't. And like I think I think that people are gonna find a lot of themselves in 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 that character doing it. It's also a book, and I don't want. It's also a book about mental illness and post traumatic stress disorder mm, and, and okay. depression. Yeah. Um, so like it's the, the trauma like base. It's really a lot of it's about how we handle trauma or if we ever do and if we ever move on from that. And so you basically the premise is <clears throat> you have a a writer named Jason who's got. Now, when you meet him, four days to finish a brand new book and turn it on, and he thinks his literary career is just totally just in in ashes. Science fiction, basically. (laughs) Yeah, right. Sorry. Yes. (laughs) (laughs) And and uh, you know, um, so he you see him with these sort of litany of of there's there's Annie, this girl that like who's been his girlfriend for three years and it's Renee, this college freshman who he thinks loves his books and characters more than him. And this girl, Bailey, who <clears throat> like, you know, he's fucking, and he's writing the, and he's also writing. So I, I wrote the book that he's writing in the book. So right. it's a book within a book like that. So you get to read both and that adaptation style. Yeah. <laughs> and that's where, <laughs> right, exactly. And that's where sort of like you kind of, the YA comes because the, the, um, the book within the book is about, a, a writer himself who's having an who ends up having an affair with this eighteen-year-old girl who loves the writer of his like who's obsessed with the, his this writer's ex-girlfriend. So it's this really sort of thing like that. So mm, okay. it goes really far in and like um, and 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 as the story sort of progresses through the book, you things are things are are very off. Like there's just he's things are not right people are saying not the right things and it's it's you're like 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 what what the fuck are you doing like literally like what the fuck are you doing but he's just progressing the story forward because he thinks he's gonna finishes the book and then like everything will be great again and it sort of just accelerates to this point of 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 like him i don't know Read the book. By the yes, read the book. I, I, yeah, I, mean, like, I don't want to give away because, like, I, I'm try, like, there's not like the the substance of it is is this idea of being discontent with with the present, and also too about it is you know how we treat mental illness in the country, how we treat um, post traumatic stress disorder, which is weird because nostalgia used to be called post traumatic stress disorder. That's what its original definition was. Um, because you weren't able to move. Right. Forward from the absolutely past. right, and 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 the the the, the depression, the mentalist, the bipolarism in it is essentially, it was a st- sort of because you know that this character is losing his mind literally, like right. he he is not right, he's fucked up, something and, ain't yes, and 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 it, and it all unfolds because there's there's four sort of narratives, there's four narratives happening. There's his first person, there's his two sort of. This is his narrative with Annie, his girlfriend, and his narrative with he's having an. Speaking of NPR, he's you know, one of the narratives is he's having an interview on NPR four years ago after his second You're book was released. Photonic reversal. Yeah. And then there's the book within the book, and so, but like one of the most astonishing things that I'd heard, and like it just shows how big of a joke this country takes mental illness because it's a really serious problem and it's fucked up, and we don't do anything about it. Was that there? Are, I found out that there were <clears throat> there are more deaths from suicides than car accidents a year. 
Yeah, think about wow. that. Yeah. You know that for a second. So from the time you're a kid, you're caught that you're taught that cars kill, car, cars are dangerous, you need a special license. We don't address mental illness until someone snaps. Right, right, right. That's scary. After, after that this. Is, yeah. <laughs> After the right. horse has already left the barn. Yes. And so, and, and so, it's sort of like a. Right, and even with the people who are even brave enough to acknowledge that they might be depressed, we treat them like the undesirable and we say, you know, or we give pick them yourself, Xanax. Yeah. Or we just tell them to pick, you know, pick yourself up off, you know, by your bootstraps and blah, blah, blah. And it's just, and it's, it's, it's so fundamental. It's, it's not even, it's very scary that, like, that's how we treat people. And it's, and it's, Almost forty-five percent of us, you know, suffer from some sort. And there's been a huge war waged by the right wing. I, I really believe in this country to sort of like excuse sort of emotional, physical sort of disorders as people who you know just aren't willing to to fight and whatnot, which is just ironic given that their whole modern movement was born out of Barry Goldwater getting his ass kicked and being a loser in 1964 <laughs> right, long yeah. thinking. Yeah. But, you know, I so you've had that happen and, and I really hope that people, you know, like, look at that because it's, it's you know, obviously I, I fight my own battles with depression and bipolarism and I know how paralyzing that can be and so that's definitely, that's a huge theme and, that's what happens when you are sort of depressed. Depressed people aren't happy in the moment, right? So what do we yeah. do? We go back and we... <laughs> for some people, yeah. Right, for some people, right. I mean, we all respond differently, but I think when you're starting to see people who aren't diagnosed or have no sort of, you know, very happy people all of a sudden being nostalgic about two days ago, things like that, I think that that's a general sort of discontent of... Of, of of how empty this sort of consumer culture life is. Well, I mean, happy people have no stories. Well, that's not necessarily true. It depends on what your life is like. But yeah, I've I don't, definitely I don't know seen, can... I've seen recently, like very closely, things unfold with people that are suffering from mental illness that are in... A lot of cases in this country self-medicating because we're taught that you should medicate instead of right. feel things, which is a really, really a terrible way to look at it because people are people and you should just feel what you feel. Well, there's, not a, there's not really an, a structure built up. I mean, there's there's like, you know, I mean, how much does a shrink cost or counselor? Like if you, we can go in like, like, so like I remember having like sort of depressed feelings in like middle school and I think every kid did but then they they stuck with me and so like where like I would feel amazing and then one little thing would ruin the day like and it wasn't anything big it was just like you know one little tiny like mood swing would just ruin and it would just be dark and I'd be really depressed and and so but like what kid is gonna like do like tell their parents that like you don't want to feel right different. right well so and that's we 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 made it we made mental illness into leprosy almost you know like so undesirable and so you know but at the same time you think that like you know you have people who are like sort of trivializing it you know what i'm saying people who aren't depressed saying they're yeah. depressed or people blaming things on that and like it just missed the point entirely and it's it's Kind of shitty because, like, there's no apparatus involved with, uh, you know, like, education at an early age going, you know, shit, like, you know, you might be fucked up. <laughs> <laughs> you might be fucked up. 
right. indeed. And he can't do that without like using those words, you know, or whatever. Well, or, yeah, or, or, or generalizing or whatnot. I mean, it's it's really about like I I don't know what it's really about, but it's 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 really about the person, right? Or acceptance. I mean, like honestly, like. The, the point one of the points points in the book becomes like if we were all turned inside out basically and we saw the fucked upness that people had on the inside and the outside would we even form relationships with anyone in this world would we but we you know so like but we have to know that it's out there then our refusal to like even acknowledge or address this huge issue when there are more suicides than car accidents right right my god there is a fucking epidemic yeah, in this country like it's, it's a real it's, thing it's ridiculous it is a real thing yeah and so i that's it's, this book is definitely about that as well so all right well that new book is uh is going to be available very soon. The Sad History of Beautiful Nostalgia. Where's the best place for them to get that? Is that at Jason Myers Exit Here Media.com or you can, Amazon? You'll be able to order it through my site, order it through Amazon, um, order it through any on ta- actually online realtor. Um, and then it will be in bookstores within the first couple of weeks of it being out. I just, we're still working out the distribution, but um, you would definitely be able to buy it online. Um, buy it through the site, guys. Support Exit Here Media. Who knows? I mean, like, we are trying to make art that we love and put it out there. And um, so if you like my books, you'll like the art that we're going to publish and put out. So please support if you can. And, uh, cool. yeah. Jason Myers, Exit Here Media. Jason Myers Books on Twitter. Jason Myers Author on Facebook. Instagram. <laughs> What's your Snapchat handle, bro? I don't have one. <laughs> it's totally okay. I'm not on Snapchat. <laughs> Thank you all for listening. You on that grackle? <laughs> hey, hey, hey. This has been the one, the only. Motonic Reversal. We thank you for listening. Thank you. And what, what a great time. Uh, Jason Myers, awesome thank you so much time. for uh, coming in, man. It's been great to have you back. This is yeah, one of the, really one of the better, better talks I've ever had in great. my life. So, yeah. Great. Conan. Brenna, yeah. you guys are thank you. Yes, awesome. So, <laughs> yes, yeah, support their show at www.radionope.com. Is it every Thursday from five? Every Thursday, five p.m. Pacific, eight p.m. Eastern. Radioneutron.com for the archives. Yes. Get that shizzle on your iTunes, your Stitcher, anytime you, uh, any place you're, you're find our podcast vendors. Really, <laughs> if you want a better culture, support good art. Thank you. Upgrade it on iTunes if you can figure that shit out. <laughs> um, yeah, anything else? No. Not at all. We'll check you later. Check oh, you 400 later. blows. Listen to them.
If you're the fifth caller. to my top 10. I'd like to thank our sponsor. But we haven't got a sponsor. Not if you were the last man on earth. She was prepared to prove it. This one goes out to a special girl. There is no special girl! It's the, it's the end of radio. The last announcer plays the last record. The last what? Leaves the transmitter. Circles the globe in search of a listener. Can you hear me now? broadcasting if there's no one there to receive it's the end of radio as we come to the close of our broadcast day
If this had been a real emergency, hey, hey.